Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global... What up, High Fivers? This is your boy, High Five Tom. And I know I say it a lot, but I've got a very, very, very special guest. Uh, my very good friend, the Impact Player, uh, Mr. Phil Rea. Phil, how are you this evening, my friend? What's going on, man? Thank you for having me. Yeah, dude. I know it, it took me. I've been we've been talking about doing this for a while. Sorry, it took you so long, but you know, life. You Where know. am I going, bro? Where am I going? Just having a good time. So, um, Where am but, I going? Yeah, yeah, with these, like I said, I always you know have these to you know to learn more about people's stories. You know, like the origin story of the of your podcast and everything. Uh, but I just real quick, I just do want to say a big thank you. Um, to you. I mean, obviously, we met. Uh, it's kind of cool. Like, we have kind of a fun origin story ourselves. Um, I just posted a little something on the Gimmick Gang. And for those that don't know, uh, Gimmick Gang was the Facebook group of the Broad Street Breakdown with Vinny Paz and his boys and was just looking for podcasts. And Phil reached out and I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll check this out. I mean, I don't mind the wrestles and everything. So I checked it out. And within two minutes, I heard Jump Around by House of Pain. And then I heard Mad Balls Pride, and then the sealer was fucking 99 Bottles by Slain. I'm like, this is my podcast. That was episode 253. Yeah. March I, I have a eclectic taste in music, uh, and it's a credit to my upbringing and my family. I don't know it's because I get I – get, I we were just talking before you hit record about getting shit for certain people. Like, I'm the guy I like – I like the alternative stuff all the time. Like, I'm the guy who liked – um, you know, John Bush and Anthrax and um, the Gary Sharon, uh, Van Halen, you know, like I like I'll, whatever for me, it's a feeling, it's not, it was never, um, I mean, it was pre planned whenever I played something, but it was, it always had to have a meaning to why I did it. And I always, I always felt like compelled to explain myself why I played certain things. And people would message me, Where'd you get that song? You know, wait, did you just say you're okay with Gary Sharon and Van Halen? I saw them in concert, man, and I'm I'm a I'm a Van I'm a Van Halen I'm a Sammy Hagar guy. I love Diamond Dave, but I love Sammy's my favorite Van Halen. But when that that album Van Halen Three, Fire in the Hole, Without You, fucking hard, H- hard Fire in the Hole is like, it's a it's a wrestling it's a wrestling entrance it's an entrance song, and yeah. a wrestler can yeah I'm telling you man it's like, you know it's a feeling and. Yeah. I think I think it, with any with any genre that has a huge fan base, I feel like the um, you know, the more finical we get, older we get, yeah. we set in our ways. It's like I try to really, I always try to be different from yeah. everybody else because I didn't want to be everybody else, and I and I stood out because there are other reasons. But I always wanted to be my own person, even as a little kid. Um, there were a lot of reasons why. You know, my my upbringing, my and the home life that I had and stuff like that. And I feel like I that always I took that with me as like a badge of honor, as like a chip on my shoulder. Yeah. And it was like, oh, you know, it, it, even like when I when you when I started dating girls in my teens, it was like, oh, they they loved my like whatever tapes I had in my Walkman or whatever. Like they were like, I'd make the mixtapes for the girls. You know, they, they knew I was. I wasn't just trying to get laid. I was just, I knew what they, I knew how to connect with people with music and anything. Right. I can connect. I can, I had like three or four sets of friends growing up. I had the jocks. I had the hoods. I had the fucking hardcore kids. You know, I had the, the, the geeks, 
the Dungeons and Dragons guys, you know. So right. I always tried to like keep myself um different and because I didn't want to I don't want to be everybody else, you know. And I think that's where I stand out still to this day where I do certain things in extracurricular activities, you know. I mean, mixtape people listen, I mean, not to be the get off my lawn guy, but people don't understand like to make a mixtape, it's a it's fucking dedication. I, mean, I just I just made one for Steph uh, for Valentine's Day, and I made a one last year, and then I told her this because it's a thumb drive now. They don't obviously no one plays CDs anymore in the car, and I was like, yo, I said, unless you have a car older than 2004, you know, and I was like, yo, I said, you know, this is different this year, and she looked at me, and I was like, well, because I was listening to recent stuff, yeah, and I don't really listen to a lot of top 40 shit, and you know, you know me now, like we're fr- like we're friends, friends, like I, I can. You know my, you know, you know my steez. I don't have to blow smoke on you. You know that. Um, but I listened to a lot of current stuff, and I was like, wow. And I was moved by a couple of guys and girls, and it got me. And I was digging the crates, like, and I, I said, you might hear some music that's not normally me. And she was like, wow, this is really good. And I'm like, well, it's a, it's a feeling, it's a connection, man. It's what you know. You want to, um, I can interpret anything with music. I could tell you a story without even talking to you if I made you a mixtape. Yeah. If I hand you if I hand you a list of music and said, yo, I'm having a hard time and here's why, I guarantee you you'll come back in an hour and a half and go, Now I know why Phil's upset. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, but I mean the actual mixtape, make when it was actual tape tapes. I mean, making yeah. those, I mean, that was you're dedicated because I mean you're doing a lot of rewinding. You know, yeah. shit, right? I mean, you can't fast forward through that. I mean, you're recording that shit in real time. You yep. know, I still yep. my buddy Art. Listen, I say it all the time, man. He made me a bunch of mixtapes. I still got all of them. So, yeah, yeah. And the good old days, co- recording shit off the radio. You know my cousin Richie, right? Yep. Richie moved to Florida. He left. He flat left me like in the early '90s. And uh, when he moved to Florida, it was a culture shock for him because you know he was. He's like me, born in Brooklyn, raised in Queens, live in the same neighborhood. And when Richie moved down there, that Miami bass club music, that that uh two live crew, yeah. right? Yeah. So he's making me these tapes. He's he's sending me these mixtapes and he's talking on them, right? He's like, yo, cuz, check this song out. So he's talking on them, right? I still have some, by the way. I'm gonna embarrass him one day. Um, but he would send me these tapes, like, yo, cuz, check. I'm like, what are you listening to? This is terrible. Yeah. You know, I almost taped over his shit with the with the John Arezzi wrestling radio show on AM radio every Saturday night at like one o'clock in the morning. I was like, I listened to my cousin Richie, turn it off, put the Walkman on, and go to sleep to John Arezzi. You know, wow, you guys had an actual TV or an actual radio wrestling show, huh? There was for a little while, yeah. This guy John Arezzi, he's still around actually. He did a radio show. He wrote. He was like the Dave Meltzer of the East Coast, yeah, basically. But he wasn't a he wasn't a douchebag like that. You know, it wasn't a he wasn't two faced and. uh he didn't. He didn't give anybody a star rating, but he he ran the he ran the first convention I went to too in in nineteen ninety. When did Sting win the title? Ninety ninety one Great American Bash. Yeah, I went to a, a the one the Sheraton in Queens by the airport by LaGuardia, um, which is still there. And that was the first convention I went to. It was so I met him and Bruno San Martino on the same day. I was like, I thought I was the the king shit, you know, at fifteen years old. You know. So. And- and I always thought, listen, obviously there's there's six million wrestling podcasts. Obviously, we both do our own wrestling podcast, but I mean it'd be it'd be cool to see to get I mean wrestling back on the radio. 
Um, you know, there's a there's a couple sports stations here in Milwaukee where some of the guys would do like a, a quick 15 minute blurb on wrestling like once a month, but like a dedicated wrestling show would be kind of cool. Um, well, they do they do they do bust it open with uh, on satellite every day, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a terrestrial radio guy, even though yeah. all the, like, the terrestrial radio I listen to, we've got a really good college radio station here. Um, so we do too, but it's in unfortunately it's in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. I pick yeah. on the Wizards all the time. Um, you know, meanwhile, yeah. half half of my bar, half of where I live is in New Jersey. Yeah, fucking fucking New Jersey. But I'm gonna pivot here real quick. You brought up Sting. Um, and yeah. I saw a post you made earlier today about Ric Flair. So Ric Flair's inducting the great mood into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you see, I don't know because they don't because there's no one else connect. The only guy that you know, the only other guy they can get is either Austin, and he probably's not going to do it. Uh, or the, or they would probably get who else is going to get it? Chono. Chono's not going to do it. He doesn't speak English. He barely speaks English. Um, I mean, I can't imagine that Tony Khan and Triple H couldn't come up with something to have Sting do it. It just I want his thing to do it. Yeah, I want his thing to do it. Um, I'm glad Sting was at his his last match as Muda. Did you see it at all? You I, saw I, it? I did actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's. I mean, listen. At this point, I don't care as long as they get in and, and they get their due diligence. Then yeah. WWE has done a really good job of giving guys their due diligence. That guys that weren't there, like Hanson, right. and Hanson was there for like five minutes and he broke Bruno's neck. But other than that, Brody, you know, guys, Gary Hartson, like a lot of guys that were not part of the WWF WWE banner. Or getting their due diligence, Bachwinkle and 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 um and Vern Gagne and all those guys, all the all the world class guys, the Von Erickson, shit like that. The Freebirds, the Freebirds got fired from WWF. You know that's how fucked up they were. Um, but you know, but and thank God they did because if they didn't get fired, they wouldn't have gone to world class and, and became became super megastars, right? Uh, at this point, I don't care. It, 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 they, they, Flair is back in their good graces now, so it's like they. This is like the an olive branch. This is like Triple H giving him the the gimmick and like, hey, come on in, whatever. Listen, Great Muda is is probably top five with me, and you know that. Like, I don't have to tell you. Um, so for him to go out the way he did, and then to get this right after that, it's it, it's it's just a, it's just a it's a a detriment to him. To, to his to his career and what he's and his influence on the game itself, you know, a lot of guy, a lot of performers don't, a lot of kids now don't see the value of these guys from the past anymore because they're not as prominent as they were back in the day, even when making appearances or or you have to be like if you if you're not, if you're not watching Noah or All Japan or New Japan, you don't know Muda, you know. It, it, I only knew Muda because of his stuff in the NWA, like, and I had to go back. And then, and then all of a sudden, I was in high school, and then the tapes were, the tape trading was coming. And I was like, all right, whatever. Now I'm hooked. Now I can't stop, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Flair did that, and then he compared – he went on some, some rant about his matches with Steamboat are not going to be as good as his daughter's match with Rhea Ripley at Mania, and Mania. And I just – and I, I shut it off. I loaded the computer and I was and I waited for you to come on. That was probably that was the rest of my night before we started talking, um, because I don't I, listen. I get it, she's good and all that, but you don't have enough time for me to tell you yeah. um, that that's just nonsense. <laughs> Especially yeah. you comparing it to 
him and Steamboat, which was amazing, by the way. Yeah. And their best matches, their best matches weren't even televised. Yeah. And maybe, uh, maybe Charlotte Flair of 2017, 18. I don't know what happened. She looks like shit in the ring. Um, and I was a huge fan to the point where, like, I mean, I don't know if Faith and I are ever going to have kids, but we were going to name our first daughter Charlotte. Um, A, it's a family name for Faith, but obviously Charlotte Flair being a strong, independent woman. But, man, I mean, she does not look good in the ring right now. She she got really – she got better. When she first started, it was – I kept telling – I was. it's funny. I was. I used to tell Rob. Rob and I first met at that point. And right after Rob and I first met – uh. We were hanging out one night. I'm like, yo, she's like a glorified gymnast. Like, yeah. well, that's all she is, you know? And uh, what's up, buddy? You good? Well, he's chilling. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, um, yeah, I, you know, she, she fell off because she got hurt. And I feel like when she came, every time she came back, they would, it was very consistent with her stories and who they threw her against. With the women, it's a niche audience because they don't have a lot of women that are good. They have a bunch of women that would wrestle. Not a lot of them are good, so it's like, what do you do? Like, you the four or five that are good just keep fighting each other, and then the other ones are just stagnant, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's in every Fed except for Japan. That's just another story. It's Joshi is. That's another podcast. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just that's another planet that I don't even, I don't even I don't even touch Joshi. I'll watch it. I don't even I can't even, I won't follow it religiously because it's so it's so in depth, and the fan base is worse than us. You know, they'll they'll dog you. You know, there that startup. I got a couple buddies that are big, uh, big into startup and everything. But their champs, uh, Julia or Julia, she's fucking good. She is good. Um, yeah. She is good, but they don't they don't wrestle like that here, bro. No. There's no King's Road here. There's no strong style here. There's no there's no oomph in it. The girls don't want it that bad. They wanna they wanna look better. They wanna they wanna present better. It's right. it's not it's not about the wrestling here. It's about presentation. And and if you're over thirty five or forty years old, this is not for you. You have to pick your spots. And I tell people that all the time. Uh, I did hear though. Um, I haven't watched it yet. Did you watch that Athena Will Nightingale for a Ring of Honor match? I heard yeah. it was really good. It was on last week. We were talking in pre production just before how I got Honor Club. Um, and the third episode in, she fought uh, last week. And that was a good match. And I and uh, Willow actually, it's funny. One of the girls that she grew up with, the girl she grew up with, I dated their best friend's mom, right? So we were all like, we all that I on Instagram, a conversation would pop up. I was talking to her friend, and all of a sudden she comes up as a friend, and I was like, oh, how do I? How do you know her? I went to school with her. I'm like, holy shit, you know? And we first saw her in Chikara. We went to that. I went to that Chikara thing that they were they were filming some Chikara show um, in Philly about two three years ago, and it never made TV. They tried when Chikara tried making a comeback, and yeah. she came out. and I and I told I, I looked at Elaine and I was like, and I told Kyoko, I was like, man, she's good. Yeah. She's really good, and and she's got it because she's been over there and she's done all that stuff. And yeah, with the girls, you have to. It's sad that you have to. Work harder than the dudes at, right. in 2023. But let's be honest, there's not like I said, there's only like five or ten of them that are good in the states, and yeah. the rest are just show. You know, it's like going to a department store, and and if you go to buy perfume for your loved one, it's like, all right, there's three of them that smell really good, 
and then the back of them, they all look good. The boxes look good, but they smell terrible. You don't want your girl smelling like that, you know? Smelling like some street walker. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I hope I hope Willow gets a push. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of her because I was out when I was at the final final battle, uh, before final battle came back. I mean, she was wrestling Roxy, and Roxy was Willow was fucking over. People were very actually upset to the point where people were upset that Roxy won. And Roxy was huge at that time. Obviously, That's Booker T's girl, right? Uh yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. So, but I mean, you know, I, I love Willow, but, uh, you know, we got sidetracked like we usually do. So that's what. No, we, no, dude, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's your show, man. You you tell me where you're going to want to go. Right? Um, But Phil, let's start off. So, I mean, I kind of know a bit of your origin story, but where did you start with your love of wrestling? We'll start off with a tacky question right off the bat and we'll go from there. So the tacky question. Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, um, where, did, where did you train? You know, but. <laughs> No, it's always fun um, to hear people's like stories, like you know where they, you know, because we all have memories tied to wrestling. Well, I, I, I have the, I have a, my, I have a terrible flaw, which I'm working out in therapy. I, I feel more than I think with a lot of things, and I'm, I'm always, can, I'm always going back to something to get another reaction to feel better about something else. Um, in winter of '83. Uh, right before Christmas, I was pseudo latchkey kid. You know what a latchkey kid is? Mm-hmm. Okay, when when, you, when they lock you up in your apartment or your house so your mom goes to work or whatever, you know? My mom worked the weekend. She was a hustler. You know, her husband was um was a junkie. Second husband was a junkie, not my dad. He was a junkie too, but uh, but he would have to keep weird hours, so she would go to work. And keep us home. And the neighbors took care of us. We had a six-family apartment. Yeah. Uh, but she locked me up in the house. And I we had two TVs. One in the living room and then a black and white one in the bedroom. And for some reason, I just like to hang out in her bedroom. Because it was she had this giant bed. and yeah. But it was black and white. I didn't give a shit. WWOR, Channel 9, based out of Secaucus, New Jersey. They were like the sports, uh, celestial sports channel. We didn't have cable in my neighborhood until 89 or 90. Um. So they would any 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 sporting event you'd watch on Channel Nine, mm-hmm. uh, baseball, horse racing, hockey, basketball was pre-taped sometimes live. That was the only live things you got was uh was hockey and basketball. You didn't get, and the West Coast games were, were taped, but wrestling was on three times a day on Saturdays. Right. You know, so yeah, in the morning, night, and late at night, and I watched a promo with uh, Doctor D, David Schultz, and Roddy Piper. I was like, oh, okay, and I just they didn't even wrestle. They were just yelling, screaming, carrying on. I'm like, this is this is amazing. They're letting people do this on TV. Like I was, I was eight years old. Yeah, you know. And uh, quickly after that, Hogan wins the title like a month or two later, and Hulkamania starts. And I was like, whoa. And it was just bigger than life. Nothing to this day, and I'm gonna be 49, sadly. Um, to this day, nothing's bigger to me on television. Nothing, yeah. unless unless one of my teams are in a championship game. You know, my sports team. You know, I'm a I'm a junkie. But yeah, I started watching wrestling when I was about seven years old, eight years old, and uh, it was just it meant everything. And and then I was hooked. Yeah, I would go to the smoke shops. They have like these cigar cigarette smoke like, and they sell the magazine like the Optimo. They called them Optimos. 
go to Optimo and you get like a magazine. They had three magazines. There was a wrestler, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and Inside Wrestling. They're all after mags, but and they all had basically the same shit. But you would buy it and you would just start and you would just start reading it. And then it was just love. I was in love with it. It was nothing better. Everybody, everybody was bigger. The heels were better than the, than the face guys, and and it, it just made sense to me, you know, as a little kid. Like you know, conflict. This I was so I had so much pent up anger and and you know with everything going on around me, but it made but it played out on television. I don't like you. You don't like you. We're gonna fight and get it on and and it was just it was great. The promos, the managers, the commentating. The just it all it, it felt real, you know, it felt real and just it was great. I love that's that's my that's when I started. I yeah. was not eight years old. Yeah, and for me, listen, we didn't. Have, I mean, cable didn't show up by us for a while later too, and we had some. I mean, obviously, Midwest is AWA, uh, but it was mostly WWF. But my thing was was the magazine thing. I mean, magazines were huge for me. Um, but yeah. I didn't even need to buy them, so I would literally just because there's a gas station. Because my as a kid, I grew up in the st- like stick stick, so I had to walk like two miles to the gas station. Of, oh. course, it was, of course, it was uphill both ways. No, I'm just kidding, but it was uphill. No shoes, four feet of snow. Um, but I would sit there just for hours, like, and I would like sit down and like just read the magazines. I wouldn't buy them, and I'd put them back and then walk out and not spend any. Money. <laughs> you know, so that was my thing. So you actually bought the magazines then, and actually just took a moment reading them. Yeah, so how it worked was, uh, I would get. I'm I'm Italian American, and for every holiday, you get some sort of money. Birthday, Christmas, Christmas, Easter. Like you, the one relative that didn't buy you a piece of chocolate, they give you like a dollar, two dollars, whatever. Um, I would take the recycle cans to the supermarket. I would help old ladies home with their sh- with their carts, you know. Yeah. And um, I would just find change in my mom's couch from all her friends hanging out in the, in the apartment. Yeah. And I would just go buy Mac. They were like a dollar seventy five each, and I would buy them, and then I would take them to school. And I found friends who were into it. And then when I, by the time I got to junior high school, my gym teacher, who I'm still friends with to this day, if I brought him a magazine to read, he'd give me extra credit. You know, <laughs> uh, I would I would go I would go to house shows and get a program. If yeah. I, and he knew I went every month. So if I went to the, to a house show and he knew and he read the paper, the Daily News, yeah, show last night. I'm like, yeah, did you go? I'm like, yeah, I break out the program and I would show him and I would always have a pen with me and I'd write down the results. So what you would do is you'd get a program with a, with a match sheet in it. Yeah. With all the matches. You've seen them on, online, right? Yeah. Okay. And I would like write down who won. I cross out who wasn't there, you know, because cards something to change. You know how it goes, right? And, uh, the magazines to me were everything because they would have the roll call champions. Who are these guys? Who are, where, where can I see? I can't see them on TV. You didn't get any of that stuff till a couple of years later. And you were like, wow, the figures weren't even out yet at that point. 84 was the first LJN wave of figures a year later. My cousin, Anthony, my cousin, Anthony was yeah. born in 84. And his fucking, he had all the figures. He couldn't even walk yet. My uncle Junior bought them all for him, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Anthony, but I would go to his house and play with his figures. He couldn't even play with them. It was too, he, was too, he was a baby. But yeah, but there was nothing out but the magazines. No trading cards. Two shows, three, you know, three shows on Saturday, one on Sunday. You know, Superstars, Challenge, 
All-Star Wrestling. Yeah. And that was it, you know? Yeah, because, um, I mean, you'll relate to the story, but when I, I met Jerry Lawler about a year and a half ago, and I just walked up to him and got his autograph. And I'm not a big autograph guy or anything, but um, that Memphis book that I sent you, that's why I had him sign that. Oh, um, my God. So good. Uh, but I walked up to him like, you were my favorite wrestler, and I never even saw you wrestle. And he just looked at me for a second. And I'm like, yeah, I just, I mean, I was reading the magazines. You were always my favorite wrestler, just from whatever Bill Atter wrote. And I never, because I mean, I'm not going to catch Memphis wrestling in, you know, Hartford, Wisconsin. Um, it's <laughs> wow, really fucking, that's really fucking cool. So I was like, that was, I mean, the magazines were, were big for me, but, um, and then real quick, so with the magazines, that's really where you started your, because you were big into tape trading, which I, I'm surprised that's not something I got into. Um, but it was in high school. Yeah. High school. Started high school in 89, 90. And they had, uh, I was playing IWA wrestling, the fantasy wrestling. Yeah. It still goes on to this day. And me and my buddies would do it and we would, you know, send in a little strategies, like a dollar match, you know, whatever. Yeah. And you could you could take you could you could type up your, your your trash talk and you mail it into them, you know. Or you go to a um a Staples or a Becker's discount, like I was telling you about the lotto, and you would use their Xerox, uh, the fax machine, and I would fax over my shit to them. And like, you know, eight you right? Yeah. And they would then we would then guys, if if you wanted to contact somebody, like another manager from somewhere else, yeah, you would pay a dollar. And put that letter into your match letter into your envelope that, that you're mailing your matches away to. Yeah. And they would forward that to the other guy. No shit. Yes, yeah, so I met a guy in Toronto. I met a guy in Oklahoma. Uh another guy in your area somewhere, but not in Milwaukee. It was like Wisconsin somewhere. I forget the, the town or whatever. But we all started talking about, you know. I don't have a, I don't have this, and I, that's how I got AWA mm-hmm. and Mid South, and all of a sudden Japan. My buddy Dave brought a tape home, and I was like, "What is this?" And it was fucking, it was all Japan. It was Vader. It was Bam Bam Bigelow. It was Masawa. Kenta Kobashi was my favorite. It was Tiger Mask. It was, oh my god, it was Tatsumi Fujinami. Anoki was still fighting. Doc and Gordy, the Miracle Violence Connection, Furnace and LaFon, the Bulldogs were there, the Funks were there still. The Funks were still touring at that point in the 90s. They were going to Japan. Yeah. And I was like, this is, my mind was blown because you read all this stuff in the back of the magazine, the roll call. Now I see who these guys are. Then, while this is going on, uh, they started doing like these uh, phone hotlines. Like you would call and you'd listen to not the ones you pay for. Yeah. The one like it was the this is the precursor to co- to podcasting. Yeah. So you had guys like the Mass Maniac and Don Tony, and those guys would do all that. But then there's guy Matt Zombie. This guy Matt, like this guy's last name, but Matt Zombie lived in Brooklyn. Yeah. And he was selling tapes at the shows and shit. And I was like, yo, when I, he was doing a hotline, I was like, yo man, I would go to, I'd go take a fucking taxi to Brooklyn. I would get like, I got the first couple of star caves and the great American bashes. And like, where's he getting this stuff from? And then he gave me like all the FMW, IWA deathmatch stuff. And yeah. like, just like, what is go- my life is just not WWF. This is crazy. 
And by the time we got cable in 1990, ESPN was running all the old AWAs yep. and global. Yep. We'd cut, we'd cut in high school, we'd cut class, go to my boy Mike's house and watch go global wrestling with the, with the lightning kid and, and, uh, and all those. Yeah. 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 So we would do that. And uh, who was Harlem he called before the Ebony Express, you know, right. Um, but like this is the the thing, man. This is all social networking before social networking was a thing. Mm-hmm. You paid you you pen pal these guys, and some of the magazines had pen pal things as well. Yeah, they have like, hey, you know, my name is my name is Bobby from you know Kenosha, and I and I like Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, and the Road Warriors. And I'm like, oh well, my name is Phil, and I like Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, and the Road Warriors. Yeah, the Road Warriors are the reason why I got into metal, you know, because I fucking. One night I'm sitting with my aunt Sue and we'll, I got one of these tapes and I'm like, she's like Sabbath. And I'm like, that's Ozzy. That's not who the hell. She was you idiot. Ozzy was in Sabbath. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm 11 years old. What do I know, man? Yeah. Leave me alone. Don't judge me, you pot smoking hippie, right? But um, everything revolved around wrestling. Yeah, everything in my life revolved around wrestling. It was like uh. Like I said, it all made sense to me because it was like it was like how my like um my now like my son's mom my now my my, now, my ex she's big into the theater, big into theater, and all her friends do. They all do like these little sh- workshops and shit to this day, and I see this all the time on 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 Terminal Throwbacks. I'm like, this is it's like going to a Broadway show. Yeah, like you you're gonna you're gonna break down everything. The, the choreography, the, the 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 costumes, the gimmicks, the you know everything, the lighting, you know, yeah. um, but the, everything revolved around wrestling, everything in my life, and it became my mistress. You know, the girls would leave me. Wrestling never did. Yeah, people would die around me. Wrestling never died around me. People would give up. I was talking to Matt from the Wizards. Matt gave up wrestling for a while and then went back into it. Right. Yeah. That never happened for me. No matter what I was doing in my life, I always made room for wrestling. Always. And anybody who knew me, who was with me in a relationship, my family, my friends, my job, they all know certain times of the year, oh, here comes Mania. Phil's not going to be around for a while. SummerSlam, Phil's not going to be around for a while. You know? Um, it became a thing, and I, I and uh, it's... Even though I'm in transition right now with what I'm doing... With the with the podcast, it's 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 still a huge part of my life. I'll never and and that and my son vicariously living through him with it. And you've seen him, and you, you know you know him personally now. It's like he's, you know, li- seeing seeing how he sees it now. It's a, it's a bit different from how we see it. Yeah. Um, and to get his perspective now as a, as a teenager, it's like all right, well. You know, it, it, it keeps me it keeps me going. It keeps the the fire burning. You know, it's like okay, it keeps me and then everybody's doing it and like everybody has a podcast now, you know. And when I started doing this, there wasn't many wrestling podcasts. So I kinda wanna I don't I hate I I'm so humble. I don't wanna be like I'm the I first started doing pod, I'm the one of the first to do it. But technically I am. And that was on a recommendation I, that's on a recommendation of from someone who was who is amazing at doing it, you know? So I, I got the respect of my peers and my friends were like, you know, you do it and you, you love it so much. I'm like, yeah, and it's not always what you want to see, but you always get something good out of it. 
You're going to pick a lot of bad stuff out. And you and I have sat in wrestling matches together. And I'm like, oh, well, I like this and I like that, but I didn't like the rest of it. And I, and I could walk out of there um, knowing that I not only saw you or my friends or whatever, we had a good night, but I got something out of it. I got a memory out of it. Um, and pro wrestling does that. It makes very good memories because you can remember where you were. I can't remember what I had for dinner on Monday, mm-hmm. but I can tell you what I can tell you where I was 30 years ago this week. You know what I'm saying? For a wrestling event like I, that's it's insane how that happens. You yeah. Know? I mean, I can tell you the first time I saw Hulk Hogan suplex the big boss man off the top of fucking cage. I could tell you where I was, what I was doing, what I was eating. But yeah, listen, I can't remember. I had yeah, breakfast. I was 14th row. That was a Saturday matinee show. Really? Madison Square Garden. I had a, I was, um, I got in trouble in school and they put me in the truancy program, right? So they said you can, and, and it's like a work study thing. Like you have to go to work. You guys have to have a job and keep grades or they're going to kick you out of school. They put me in a sporting goods store in my neighborhood. No brainer there, right? So I'm working for these Irish immigrants, Pat Moore, they're nice people. And uh, they wanted me to work on a Saturday. I didn't. I never worked the weekends, but it was a rush, and they were like the holidays, or whatever, whatever it was. And I'm like, I, I can't. I gotta. I'm going to a wrestling match. She's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to see a wrestling match. I'm going to see a cage match, you know. And they said, you know, if you don't go to work, you you you're fired. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> My mom's like, what are you crazy? I'm like, no. And I'm glad I went. I saw I, I saw a big boss making super stuff for Blue Cage. Yeah. I was 14 rows in the ringside. Big Boss was so underrated, too, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ray Trailer, man. It's a shame. I mean, well, a lot of our a lot of our guards of that era are, are gone. But um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, to your credit, I mean, I really don't know. And I was shocked at a couple people I talked to, but I don't know if there's anybody that really didn't have that. I had a huge break. Uh, but you're the one person very if anybody that didn't. I mean, it seems like everyone, you know, for me, it was just, I I had a, so I was big into it to a kid and then, you know, puberty shows up and then, you know, the priorities change, but then ECW showed up and then I was back in and then I was back in for a while, but then when ECW closed and I didn't really have access to like the internet or anything. And like, I always say, if I had found Ring of Honor in like 2002, 2003, I don't think I would have left wrestling, but I just didn't right. have access to it. Um, you know, so that's why I do a Ring of Honor podcast. But you, to your credit, you never took a break. Um, that's no. a, I don't know if I know anybody that hasn't. You know, I got into hockey because of wrestling. Like, you know, I played hockey for 17 years. I played roller hockey, ice hockey, right? That same channel, Channel 9, yeah. Rangers Capitals, and they went into overtime or some shit like that from the Cap Center. Shout out to Nick German. From the Cap Center in Maryland. And I'll never forget that night. I wanted wrestling to come on. It was 10 o'clock. I'm like, Saturday night, latchkey kid. Where's my where's my wrestling? But the Rangers were on. I'm like, come on, man, fucking hockey. And all of a sudden, within two weeks, I was like, wow, fist fights and and like they would. The Rangers were brutal in the mid to late '80s with like fighting and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, this is a, just as good as wrestling. So now I'm like Saturday nights. I didn't leave the house at one point. You know, I'm like, all right, now I'm gonna sit in front of my TV and watch the Rangers, and you know. Did Bob, but, did Bob Probert have a little sort of stint on the Rangers? Nah. Okay. He got his he got his ass kicked though by um uh 
we we had a guy, not Deblois, what the hell was his name? Rudy Poshek. Poshek and Prober got it on. Yeah, Posh, Rudy Poshek was like a fucking was like a, a Rey Mysterio on, on on steroids and he was like just jacking people up, you know. Yeah. Stu Grimson was Stu Grimson was another guy who was a beast, a fighter, you know. But yeah, I that's how I got into hockey, man. Um, because of wrestling. Yeah, wrestling, you know. wrestling, wrestling has given me so much in my life. Yeah, this is right here. This us, our friendship, wrestling, okay. you know, has given um, it's given me so many friendships. I've met people in the business that I'm friends with now. It's like that's cool too, and we're not like best friends, but you know, we we chat and and I got insight and a lot of conversations I have with some of these guys are not even wrestling related, but just to know them. Yeah, it is cool, right? Like you know, but it's it's something that that other people like. I, it's funny when you tell like you know we're both we're both in we're both EMS backgrounds uh, as as health as first responders, and it's like it's like telling a layperson our job, yeah. telling a layperson about wrestling. It's like, oh, you still watch that? And the only, that's the only thing my dad didn't get. God rest his soul. My dad didn't he didn't like make fun of me, but like. He called me up like, yo, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm going to go home and watch the pay-per-view tonight. You still watch that stuff? I'm like, yeah, Pop, I still watch it. Like, you know, and he's like, he looked like, why? Like, isn't that kid shit? I'm like, no, it's not, you know? And, and, and people are like, you still watch that? You still watch that? Like, you know, I threw a girl out of my house one night, man. She's like, you know, it's fake, right? Now you have to leave. <laughs> it's like, I, you know. Time for you to go, so. Yeah, I mean, she came back because she wanted that dick the next week, but. That's another. That's another. That's another podcast. We'll save that for another time. But, but it's given me so much, and I feel like even though I'm not as connected as I am because of my age, I feel like I'm outgrowing some of the the um the audience in terms of like the fan base because I I feel like the agendas change, and that's and again that's another podcast you can get into. Um, but. It's so there's so much to to it, and I think if you're not a fan of it, you you'll never understand why. It's like certain kinds of music, like you know, like I know you have goth friends, you have metalhead friends, you have the the Guido club kids, the dance music kids. You know, you have all these different types of genres of music, and like, well, you don't understand, man. You don't get it. I I don't mean maybe I don't. You know, I, I never got country music. Never got it. It's the only genre of music I won't listen to. I can't stand it, right? But, you know, a girl I was dating for a while, she she loved it. Can't relate to it because it's not here. You know know where I'm from. Like, I I can't relate to that, you know? But she came from – she didn't have to be from there, but she related to it. Wrestling's that way. You have to – you have to – you have to – there's an appreciation to it. And the more and the older, the more the more yeah, you've seen of it, and the more years you follow it, um, you you grow to appreciate the nostalgia. Hence, why the podcast on it, you know. So yeah, yeah. And I had a really awkward conversation with my dad a couple of weeks ago. He's like, he apologized for getting me into wrestling. I'm like, why? Why are you apologizing? And I'm like, well, second of all, I mean, first of all, actually, it was mom. It wasn't you, but that's besides the point. I, I mean, right. he did take me to my first show, but I was just like, you know, it's just like, yeah, my 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 family. They're, I don't know. I, I'm trying not to throw shade. They're not going to listen to this, but I don't give a fuck. But they're just 
a little uppity. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a guy that's going to go. You know, I don't want to keep up with the Joneses. I love my lifestyle. I do really good for what I do. And, you know, like my dad's like, well, with this podcast and this wrestling stuff, like, do you get paid for it? I'm like, no, I don't give a fuck. I mean, I'm spending, you know, I mean, I've got three wrestling shows in three states this weekend. You know, I got to pay it all out of pocket, but I don't give a fuck. It's just a hobby. You know, it keeps me happy. So it's just like, you know, my mom's a little less because, I mean, she got into it. But, you know, as long as the wife's happy, I don't give a flying fuck. So I like the DIY part of it. And you and I have had this conversation more than once because it's my lifestyle. You know, if I'm doing it myself, then no one else can fuck it up. No one else can, um, can, you know, it was like when I had my band, we had, we, we got a, a, a gig at CBGB's. It was a, a Monday's were audition night. Yeah. So we got the, we, we got, we got it. We got a gig. So I'll never forget my mom made dinner and my drummer's at my house. We're eating dinner and uh, we're talking about the show set list, whatever. And uh, we took a train to the show because the other guys, we couldn't fit in the car with the equipment. Yeah. And the other guys lived on the other part of Queens. So we just took the train out there. So we were getting ready to go. And uh, my mom's like, you want to play? You got a show tonight? Like she was getting paid. I'm like, oh, really? She said, what do you mean? Why? Then why do it? Because I can. Yeah. You know, why would you wear that Flavor Flav clock on your neck in the sixth grade? Because I knew what fucking time it was. That's why. <laughs> Right? Yeah. I know what time it is. And my mindset always is to try to do it on your own. Not not so much as to be uh, not humble enough to ask for help or anything, but like just the whole DIY punk rock thing is like, that's why I like the podcast thing because I could say what I want. I could do what I want. Yeah. You know, and if, if, if you're going to censor me, by the time you get to censor me, I've already said it, and my audience has already heard it, and I've built this relationship with people that I probably would never see in real life, you know? Yeah. That part of it is the the thing, and, and that's where I love that you can do that. You know, I love that you can go to wrestling shows, or, you know, three and whatever it is, and, and I love that you, you know, you live that lifestyle because, you know what, it just goes to show that you're dedicated to the craft and there's a certain thing. I have this, I have a terrible attention deficit disorder and I can't, and it was undiagnosed because I, I grew up in the fucking eighties, you know, in the seventies mm-hmm. and kids are always hyper and stupid. No one caught onto it, you know? Yeah. Well, Phil just has, Phil's good in school, but he has an attitude problem. Well, there's a reason for that, right? They're not, di- they're not, they're not, they're not breaking me down like they do now in, in, in therapy, but there was no therapy back then. You know, you got your ass kicked. That was it. Um, and this is the only thing that I did that I didn't fuck up. <laughs> and I kept my job. Yeah. My relationships fell apart. You know, I had to move 17 times. I had a, in the last like 10 years of my life, termical throwbacks was the only thing that, that, kept me distracted from terrible, terrible things in my life, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I had so much material and different co-hosts and the whole live thing went down. This just, this is, last week was the anniversary of us going live on Rant DM for the first time, oh, 10 years, nine years ago. And we, you know, and even, uh, even the, the podcast now, it's like, it's just, 
no one's here, but it's just me now, right now. And it's like, what do I do? I can't stop. I won't do a show every week anymore because I'm not motivated and it's terrible. Yeah. I'm not motivated, but it's still wrestling and like it's 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 always on my TV. You know, right now I'm watching there's something on Access TV. It's New Japan. It's a rerun, but you know, it's just it's it's either background noise for me while I'm cleaning my apartment, or it helps me sleep, or yeah. show material, or it's something that you guys told me I should watch. Yeah. You know, and it's the the camaraderie. This this is what we're yeah. doing right now. This 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 what you coming in to my to my city to see shows. You know, you brought you bringing your wife to to my home. It's like that that that's wrestling. Yeah, that's because that's punk rock. Yeah. That's what they did. That's what they did back in the day, man. Punk rock shows, word of mouth. Yeah, and that's the funny thing. Like, if and I, I don't, I'm trying not to throw shade at people here, but like a lot of people, the old hardcore, the old DIY hardcore kids, they don't get it. It's just, I mean, yeah, I still listen to music, maybe not as much as I did before, but wrestling kind of, I mean. Obviously, I mean, I don't like going to a concert if there's more than like 500 people there. 500 people more than that, I'm like, I'm kind of freaking out a little bit. So I like my small shows. I mean, I want, I mean, if there's, if, if you know, I'm seeing a band, there's 50 people there, but everyone's having a good time, you know, that's my thing. But then you see all these old DIY hardcore guys that just shit on like indie wrestling, which I don't get. It's the same fucking thing. It's the same, you know, um, I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. You know, it's. You, you go to a show and you see guys like this in the crowd, the arms crossed, right? Those are the show me guys, like show me that sitting with wrestling. I don't like, there's certain things about the, 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 the scene I don't like is, well, the hardcore scene, it's really not as what it was because society dictates different now, you know, and this, this culture that we live in, um, the music content is different. And the stuff that they're still singing about from our day doesn't relate to anybody right now, right? With wrestling, it's like I remember going to one of the first NXT shows, and I, you know, there's two kids behind me, and all they kept this was Nakamura's debut in the company, right? And uh, we were fucking stoked. It was me, my son, I think the Domingos were with us. I had I think Mega Powers was still in the show doing with us, right, Dave? Um, and when that music hit, right, we all knew Nakamura, right, because he's from 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 old from music band. The kids behind me, all they kept talking about was his, was his was his costume, was his was his getup. Oh, his boots are terrible. You see his tights, you see his tape. Like they were talking about his tape, how he tapes his hands, his, his wrists, whatever. Like. I get it, right? I love to crack a joke once in a while, make everybody laugh, and you know we're all together, right? And I and I think that you lose yourself when you do stuff like that. You know, you can go to a ball game, a baseball game, and you could pick apart the the lineup, but if they perform, it's like okay, he came correct. Like this was a great time to be alive to see this. And you're fixated on you paid a decent money for those seats. You're gonna why would you deny yourself to look for something positive? Why cross your arms like this when you can look look at everything around me? Right? My sometimes my saving grace is having you guys with me. Yeah. 
I don't want to be that side. I go for Michael sometimes. I didn't want to go to some of these shows. But, oh, you're coming in? The world stops for me. Yeah. I want to I want to see you. You're my boy, you know, we're we're brothers now. You know, it's like I I take solace in that. Uh I have a picture on my wall from the from mm-hmm. the, 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 the uh the show, the uh the big show, the yeah. G1 show. That night didn't happen. Even if that night didn't happen, that picture is ten years of 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 okay, I did something. Yeah. Right. Um, the fan base doesn't appreciate everything. They focus in on certain things and they don't see they they feel more than they think. Yeah. And I think that's the the problem with society, but that's another podcast, right? Yeah. With politics and, and everything else. Like, you know, it's like the people are thinking, feeling more than they think, and they're not they're not putting the positive in perspective because Sometimes they take the human element. You know, you know me with the human element. Like you take the human element out of it all the time between yeah. texting and, and social media and, and and everything else. You know, uh, but you know that's those guys are you know tough guys. Ain't that tough? Yeah, the the impress me bros. Uh, shout out to Jamie Johnson. That's what he always called them. But uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, but yeah, so speaking of, of live wrestling, so obviously you were often in the Mecca of wrestling. Um, what was really your first live wrestling show? Winter of 85. Nice. My mom's husband, the junkie guy was driving a taxi and he, I had went to the smoke shop and I bought a WWF magazine and the cover was, uh, it was a Christmas uh, theme. It was it was all cartoon drew. It's if you look on the internet, it's, it's a really nice cover. Piper's yeah. on it, you know, right? And uh, he comes home one night and he says, "Hey, he goes, um, I gotta drive into the city. That's what we call Manhattan here. We call it the city. Right? I gotta drive into the city." I was like, "What's up?" He's like, "Ah, oh, I gotta, I gotta see Uncle Uncle Dave is going to a wrestling match, and I want to give him his tickets." You, you have to bring it to him. I'm like, all right, I have to go. He's like, no, mom should take a ride with me. I'm like, I don't want to go. He's like, I'm not gonna go. Why would I want to go? Yeah. No, just take the ride. Take the ride. Take the ride. Got my magazine in my arm. I'm like, yeah. So I'm in the cab. We take the cab, which is pretty cool. And we walk right in. And I don't. I'm not even paying attention to him handing tickets to the fucking to the to the stub to the to the to the. The, the the attendant nothing, and now we're in the seats. I'm like, where's Uncle Dave? Like, there's no Uncle Dave's not the going tonight. It's me and you. I'm like, what? And that's and the main event was um shit. It was Albano, Hillbilly Jim again against Bundy and Stud and Bobby Heenan. I think it was or something like that. Oh. Paul Andorf, Paul Andorf was on the bill. Hogan was on the bill. Yeah, November of December of '85, right before uh, Mania Two, um, was my very first wrestling match, and then I saw a match at the Ridgewood Grove Arena after that. Um, the, a little boxing arena that we had here. Okay. They used to put they used to put on shows. WWF guys used to that was there was no independence back then. Right, like WWF guys, if they weren't doing arena shows, they did spot shows. In like the local gymnasiums all over the five boroughs. 
that's cool. You know, so because yeah, I mean, WWF was running pretty much monthly at Madison Square Garden for a long time, weren't right? They? they ran monthly at the Garden, the Philadelphia Spectrum, the uh, Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto, and then they did shows at the Cap Center in Maryland because that's where they were based out of Capital Sports was based out of that area. Vince Senior, right? Yeah. Um, in in Toots Mons, I think his name was the other promoter. Yeah. And whatever. Yeah. So yeah, my first one was eighty five. Right before that, the year before that Mania, WrestleMania one, my godmother, my Aunt Joanne, she's uh she used to work as a court secretary stenographer. Oh, um wow. and one of her friends lived on Long Island, suburbs of New York City, for those who don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, and um, she. This is funny. So back then, if you had like satellite dishes, they took up like the, the entire length of your home, right? One of her friends had one of these satellite dishes in their backyard that literally was the size of their home. Yeah. And they got WrestleMania on satellite, and she they recorded it for her, and she brought me to her house and played it on her top loading fucking beta machine, yeah. whatever the fuck it was. That's how I saw the first WrestleMania. But yeah, that was my first my first live show was was that year eighty five was yeah, and that was this the same year. Uh, Santana was still IC champ. He had he had lost it in February of eighty six, so he's he fought that night too. I think he fought Don Morocco or Greg Valentine. I have to look. I have it. I have it written down somewhere. Nice. Yeah, uh, actual. Yeah, but yep, that was my first show. Um. You know, and not to be, you know, once again, the, the old guys get off my lawn, but, you know, it just, it seems like the crowds back then were just more intense than you see today. Um, obviously, because, you know, you know, kayfabe is pretty much all but dead at this point. But, I mean, you, you look back, obviously, that Hogan-Sheik match when Hogan won the, the belt, obviously the match itself is okay. I mean, when I, I first saw, I, I rewatched it for the first time, like, probably 25, 30 years. I'm like, this match is, what, four minutes? But dude, that fucking crowd went fucking banana. Yes, I yeah, said my that. buddy Eric was there. My buddy Eric was there. My drummer um, in my band. You know, so it's just uh it was just a different feeling. So that's why I mean I finally got to Master Square Garden with obviously with you. And I don't know, it just it just didn't seem the same. You know, I just I thought I'd be more like because I know it's been redone a bunch and everything, but just being there, man. Just standing outside of it. I walk by. I'll walk by it, whatever, and I get emotional because it's, yeah, you know, it's. I've seen so much there, and the thing, the reason why it was so big then, besides kayfabe, was that it was episodic, in a way, because I think I told you this. Like when you go to a, when you went to a, a house show, right before intermission or after intermission. They would come out and announce the card for next month. Yeah. Like all the rematches and shit. Yeah. So my uncle would basically run to the box office with his American Express card and buy tickets for the next month. Yeah. So I, one of the greatest things I've ever seen live at, when I was a kid, besides Andre and Stud, Orndorff was my favorite wrestler before I, before I realized who Dusty and, and Road Warriors were. Yeah. But Orndorff was my guy, right? But before all that, when Macho Man was IC champ, he had a series of matches with Hogan in the Garden, and it built up. It was a regular match, then a tag match, then it was, and then it all built up to a steel cage. Yeah, 
And I was like, I'm seeing a steel cage for the first time. Like, like it was, dude, it was like, it was, it was the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I'm seeing this live. It's still my favorite gimmick. You know, it settled scores. It, 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 it finished feuds. It just didn't do it to have it on Monday Night Raw. You know what I'm saying? Like when you saw a cage match and you were a kid, it was like, all right, these guys, they can't, they can't hang no more. No more interfering, no more bullshit, no more run-ins. You're in the cage. And there was no referees in the fucking cage either. You're either climbing out or you're walking out. Yeah. Sweat and you may cry once in a while. Yeah. You know? But it was episodic. You know, the steamboat thing with Savage too. Savage had played a big part of my live wrestling when I was a kid because he had just came into the company, right? Yeah. When he broke Steamboat's Larnix, remember that gimmick before WrestleMania? Question with the bell, right? I saw the aftermath of that. Bruno Sammartino was so mad, he came out of the booth to team up with Tito Santana to fight a series of matches with Adonis and Savage. I saw an insane tag match with these two, with these teams. I saw Bruno like at the end of his career, but it was like, oh my god! So every time you mention somebody about Hulk Hogan, you old time is like, oh, he's no Bruno San Martino. I'm like, oh well, I, I wasn't around. I was, you know, I was two years old when he was fucking champion, you know. Yeah. But I saw the tail end of Bruno, and and I was like, and the crowd was still. This is my point. Is what I'm getting to. Yeah. The crowd was insane because it was episodic. You had something to look forward to. The weekly shows didn't have all that because they would they did have that, but it was taped and it was pieced out, you know? And uh you only had an hour to do it. You know, and they fought job guys. You rarely got regular matches on TV, you know. Uh so it was that kind of party. It was like, wow, this is like a deal. It was like a night out, you know? Yeah. And then back then, I mean, house shows were really just like you said, I mean were practice for the big ones. I mean, I remember my first WWF show, Steel Cage, but yeah, it was uh, Warrior and Rick Root, or uh, Ravishing Rick Root. And that was like the prequel to their match over at SummerSlam. So right. they, just, they just did, you know, because it's a house show. I mean, no one's, you know, getting on the internet and telling them what's going on, you know. I do kind of miss that aspect of it, but I mean, you think back then, you know, like you're talking about Memphis. I mean, these guys would do seven days a week, but they're doing arenas. I mean, four or five, six thousand people Every night, um, those matches were insane. Um, you know, it's just uh, I, I kind of miss that. I mean, listen, now you know, and those were, I mean, independent shows, but now, I mean, now a big independent show is like a thousand people. You know, it's fucking huge, actually. So, but I mean, I still Indep- like that show, so no independent shows. Um, now they they're more of a showcase. Yeah, for for people. For rest for performers, it's not like uh, you get a spot show in in like in your neck of the woods where you'll have an old timer show up or you'll have the local guys there. Like I know you're big into your indie scene where you are, yeah. and these guys have been they have a following. Uh, now our guy, one of our guys, is doing it right. I'll see him tomorrow. And, right, and I and I had said to him like when he first started, he messaged me and I said. We're all vicariously living through you right now. And you have a responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Don't fuck up. Yeah. Because you're not just you're not just performing for them. You're performing for me. I'm 
800 miles away. You know what I'm saying? Um, but these shows, like, like I remember going to like Evolve and um, ROH or Chikara, um, Jersey All Pro, and then there was like other shows like uh, I never been to a Combat Zone show. I'm pissed off about that. Uh, but I, I'll make it there eventually. But there was the other shows I went to. Shit, with the name of that show? Warriors of Wrestling, right? That's this. They're based out of Staten Island. Um, but like those are all showcases, really. If you think about it, you know these guys are all in schools now because now schools are a dime a dozen. You know, back in the day, they didn't have wrestling schools like that. You know, you had one or two per region. Now there's like twelve in one fucking state. You know, yeah. but. That's how that's what that's that's how the, the 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 genre evolved, you know, and that's great that these guys and now you have these guys who showcase his stuff on social media, and YouTube and Twitch and Facebook and all these guys. Greg's got his own shirts now, and he's yeah. got a following. Like if Greg yeah. did this twenty five years ago, Greg wouldn't have any of that stuff. Yeah, it would be word of mouth. It'd be like a message board thing. Oh, you see fucking Greg. Yeah, Did you see Greg last week. He was wrestling in in uh, in the VFW in Kenosha. Yeah. He yeah, he broke the internet with that that death match he had a couple weeks ago. So yeah, I mean people were angry. I fucking he's like I don't give a shit, you know. It's so, a showcase, you know, yeah. and, and, and he's given respect to the craft and yeah. any mean, contribution that you can make to your hobby, to your to your to to it, to anything like that, you know. If you can make any kind of contribution outside of what you're doing, you know. Yeah, I mean, and listen, he's huge for and for his community too. Obviously, I mean, he's got uh, he's got a title match on Sunday as I'm making my way back up from St. Louis that I'm going to, you know. And I don't know if this is correct, but I mean, it's pretty rare. But it's two people of the LGBTQ community um, facing each other for a title. You know, so I mean that, that that's awesome. Unless if you get a chance that that podcast episode I uh, posted on the page uh, with my buddy Mike, he totally kind of gets into that whole story. So that's yeah, crazy. I mean, he started July twenty twenty. He's not even three years in yet. Um, yeah, and now he's wrestling in Milwaukee. He was just at one of my promotions in one of my favorite venues. Um, small dinky back of the bar. There's maybe thirty people there, but I had a fucking blast. I mean, I don't give a shit. That's what it's all about, man. If you're gonna go out of your way for something like that, you know, you, yeah. you you're making time for it, you know. Life is hectic enough. Like, you know, it's the grind of the older you get, the grind of of the of the of of everything, like the working and the traveling, and it's like if you're a parent, um, if you have other stuff going on in your life, like it's just if you can just do that, like what you're doing, you know. I've got carriage to live through you when you do all that shit. I can't just on a limb go to fucking St. Louis or I can't fly across the country for something like that, you know? Um, but that's just what, that's why I love this so much because the fans, you know, the fans make it, they make everything. Yeah. You know? So that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's uh, Greg, Greg's doing good. And, and I met Greg through you. So that's uh, another connection, obviously. So yeah, we met Greg in Chicago a bunch of years ago. With the first uh, all in pay per view, all in all out, the first one in Chicago. Yeah, I think it was all in. I think the all, all in. Yeah, yeah. So. all in. And we met Greg at a. We hung out with him at a Buffalo Wild Wings. We yeah. sat with him for a couple, 
we bullshitted with him for a couple hours. Wife's home, so. No, but no. Oh, hi, Phil. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? She's kind good, of not bad. Someone, someone's got to pay the bills around here, so. Yeah, you keep going wrestling matches and ain't you. Slacker. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's point contention. <laughs> how are you? Good, how are you? Oh. So yeah, we're talking some wrestling and shit. Oh, pretty exciting. Yeah, so you're back on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, like very exciting. I didn't make. I didn't Have make a good it. night. Um, but in that, so in uh, I kind of know the story, but we kind of alluded to it. But what is the um the origin story of the turnbuckle throwbacks? I moved to Staten Island in 2010, 11, whatever it was, and um, we lived in a one-bedroom apartment in a real terrible part of town. Hmm. It was a culture shock to my wife because she's she's from this area, which is like the suburbs, like the Westchester of Staten Island, right? Um, it's funny. And I was going to work. And just constantly downloading podcasts. Mainly it was, Kev, you know, DT, Kevin Castle. This is before Soup and before our other ones, mm-hmm. right? It was them and Otter Cal from Toronto. His podcast and something else. And just anything wrestling related I was listening to. I know Kevin from the club scene because Kevin was my club promoter. Mm-hmm. Kevin booked me with Hate Breed. He booked my band with Propane. He booked my band with No Redeeming Social Value. That's how I met Kevin Gill. It's funny how these guys are all in hardcore music scene. Like, yeah. we're, it's like full circle. We're all friends. Like, I've known Kevin for fucking 30 years, but yeah. even, wrestling wasn't even a thing. Like, we all love wrestling, but we weren't like hanging out together. Like, Kevin and I were at SummerSlam 97 together, you know? Hmm. Kevin would call me on Monday nights. Before I moved out here, before I, when I had the band, Kevin would book shows on Monday nights. Like, that was his his night to make calls. Yeah. And he would get to me because I was one in my I was a guy in the band who booked all our shows. Were you watching Raw? Yeah, I'm watching Nitro. Oh, I watch Nitro after I watch Raw. I tape it. That's how we <laughs> begin. I worked for Kevin. I was a bouncer in his club. So when Kevin was doing, Kevin's like, and Kevin said something to Anthony one night on his shows, like, if there's anybody who could do anybody who could do this. It'd be Phil Rea. And I was like, he just didn't say that like to 9,000 people, right? To 9 million people, I should say, whatever it was. And I was like, okay. So now I have my wife's computer and his 10 year old computer and a $3 microphone that we had from Best Buy. And I just, and Kevin messaged me, he's like, you should really do this. And I'm like, Kev, I don't know what I'm doing. It was called like in the dog pound at first. And then I, you know, I got the name Termical Throwbacks, and I did like, I don't know, 10 or 20 episodes by myself. And then I did it, started doing it with Dave. And then I met the Wizards after that. But they were doing it the year before me. So when I found them on the internet, they found me, and I was like, oh, you know, whatever. And I just, I started recording. And I was like, okay. And then I got a little better. And then I wound up covering for Don Tony one night. Calls me up, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I had just gotten my equipment. I'm like, um, yeah, can you do me a favor? Can you fill it for me tonight? Can you? I was like, what? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. The chat room's open. Here's that. He, you know, this, that, and the third. Can you, you and Kevin just? I was like, you, 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 you're kidding me, right? He's like, no, Kevin, Kevin wants you to come on. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. So when I co-hosted, right, it was um, 
what do you call it? It was insane because I had just started doing the podcast and uh, I started getting hits from their from their crew, yeah. you know. And then that was it. It was every two weeks, and then we started doing it weekly after we went live a year later. And now July will be eleven years, you know. We're almost to five hundred episodes. A lot tougher to do than it is. I mean, back then than it is now. I'd imagine. I'm like Jesus. Thank God for for Kevin because Kevin was the one who just he name dropped me all the time, and I'm like, and then like with Mission Joey started doing wrestling soup, you know. Even I was on. I called in one night just to say hello, you know, because because Anthony always said to me, like, "Get one, you know, come on." You know, I'm like, because my work schedule sucked. And I was like, all right, by the time I get home, they're like an hour or two in. So one night I was home from work and I called in, you know. So Anthony, so Mitch was like, yo, man, so what about your show? I'm like, I didn't call to talk about my show. I came to just talk to you guys, say what's up. And he insisted on me talking about it. And the respect that I got from these guys was beyond anything. And then when the Wizards, like, like, we hooked up with them. They were like, it was like peas and peas and carrots. It was like you know we were all just became instant friends. Like doing, we went to shows together and hung out and everything. And Tony and I are the same age, you know. So it was like when my peers became my friends. I was like, I was like, whoa, this is like insane, you know. And I this I I, I said this is how it has to be when like when when athletes become broadcasters and they're working with their like they're like they're like idols and shit you know what i'm saying yeah. that's how it's got to feel you know so yeah that's how turnbuckle throwback started on, on a on a recommendation from kevin castle that's what how it started. You, what were you putting it out on then so i mean did it just go out on itunes then or how did this yeah. show so yeah it was itunes and i did um mixler or something like that mixler was it mixler yeah it was mixler and then and then right after that, started the whole Podbean and and okay. all the other all the other like yeah, but it was iTunes initially, yeah. So there yeah, were was, there, there were a couple of uh, wrestling podcasts out there before you started, then, huh? I know Cole Cabana's yeah. really the one I know, but yeah, Cole Cabana. But it was uh, mainly it was for me it was Don Tony and Kevin Castle, Otto Cal did his from Canada, um, the Wizards were a year in, they were a year before me. And what else was there? It was, a, it was like just it was scattered. They were like, you know, Meltzer did something for a little while, but it was like nothing really. Not they wouldn't have a lot of them. It was just you know whatever you can get, and then people yeah. started doing like the YouTube thing and the video in themselves. And I'm like, that's just something I didn't want to do, you know. Yeah, people don't need to see my face, so yeah. And and now obviously there's I mean, easily a hundred thousand wrestling podcasts, if not more. Yeah, I'm, yeah. It's, it's it's ridiculous. So um and like I said, I mean the thing with me is I mean podcasts is what helped get me back into wrestling in the first place. Yeah. Um that it was Stone Cold's podcast. I mean, I've told this story, you know, a few times, but I I you know, when I lived out in Idaho, I was I was working seasonally, but we didn't have cable or TV or nothing. And I was right. caretaking that house and then I had cable for a winter. I was like, oh, and then I had like consistent internet access and I stumbled on Stone Cold podcast and well here we are eight years later and I'm fully back into wrestling. So yeah, it's 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 a very interesting community and it's been I think it's really kind of benefited wrestling as a whole. 
Because, I mean, how many damn wrestlers now have podcasts? And, you know, I mean. Everybody has a podcast. My ex-wife just called me. It's funny you bring this up. But um, my ex-wife called me up. And she's in um, she's in the real estate business. And she wants to get her name out and what her business and her company, whatever. She's like, well, how do you, and she now, she's like, well, I, I watched you do it for so many years and I'm now I want to know how to do it. And I'm like, is that just to read, just to get your brand out there, you know? And I, uh, everybody's got one, everybody, people who don't even know how to do it, have other people produce. That's how Jericho got his. Like they would just, other people would sign them on and start companies and produce them and stuff like that, you know? Um, but yeah, man, it was it was it was a weird time because when it first came, when they when they were first a thing, no one did what I was doing except for one. That was the old school wrestling podcast. And that was with uh, they're from uh, I think the Pittsburgh area. It's Black Cat and Dre. They still do the show, and they were the only other show that did a nostalgia wrestling podcast. Yeah. So I just wanted to mix it up. I was like, all right, I'm gonna do a little bit of new. And a little bit of old. And I should have stuck with the old. That's what my bread and butter is. But there were so many people kept asking me, how do you feel about Raw and Nitro? I mean, how do you feel about Raw and, and SmackDown and this, that, and the third? And you're like, I can't deny the the fan base. If they want to hear something, an opinion or my take on something, and it became a thing. It became, we had a soundboard. We did the soundboard thing. And then we got, and when Choppy came on, it was like, oh, boy. <laughs> because Choppy, you know Choppy, he's just that's not a gimmick. He's insane. Choppy, yeah. Right. That's another thing too. Like and no knock on anybody who does it. Because we have we we have friends. We have we have mutual friends who have podcasts who have like a character. Yeah. Right. And that was one thing I couldn't do. Yeah. I try I tried for like five minutes and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, yeah. Tom, you know me, bro. Like, you know, like, I, I'm very transparent to a fault. Right. Like, I have no filter. And um, I'm not a character. I don't play. I don't, I don't have a different name. I don't have, like, you're getting an extension of me. This is, like, what we're doing now, I would be doing this if we didn't have a podcast. Right. Right. You, you text me once in a while. We hit each other up. Or we, if we lived near each other, we'd be in a bar or we'd be at somebody's house watching an event. Right. Uh, that's what I'd be doing if I was a podcaster. Same thing. Yeah. So it's an extension of me. Yours is an extension of you. What you're doing, you and Will and and whatever, right? That's an extension of you. And then after meeting him, it's an extension of him. And that's where um, it's amazing the authenticity of it, because you can you can do this and not lose yourself. And doing it, right? Because it's it comes natural because you're just having a conversation like we're doing now, yeah. And no one, it's not scripted. It's not. Maybe you have a list of questions you want to ask, but other than that, it's like no one's. It's it's not written. It's not it's not fake. It's not phony. It's not you know what I'm saying. So yeah, I think uh, that that's it's important. Yeah. So yeah, eleven years. I mean, that's a good run. Good run, my friend. So. Um, yeah, yeah. Is uh, Fight the World coming back at all? Are they doing any more shows over there? Over at uh, 
Yeah, because didn't they have one more since the pandemic, I thought? Yeah, they did. We couldn't do the show because I wasn't doing it by myself. Yeah, uh, the guy who runs that, he's in actually in NWA right now, Brian okay. Idol. He's in the NWA, so he's been doing shows down in Florida with FTW. Um, but once Sal brings the shows back, we do it over here. Um, we had fun, man. That was a great time, right? It was yeah. one time you were in for that, too. The, uh, that was another thing, going home. Like, I grew up, like, two miles from there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that seeing, like, all, like, all my, some of my old friends with their kids, you know, it's like, this is, that, that was weird. Like, seeing, like, my, like, my childhood friends now having kids in, on the PTA. Yeah. All, like, PTA moms sitting in the, in, in the school that they work at, that the kids yeah. go to school at, you know? But it, it was fun, man. But I want to do the convention in May, uh, the Tommy Fierro one that we did the the one we did last year. Um, that was fun, hanging out with you know Jesse Ventura, <laughs> inadvertently, you know. I would and, have, and, and interview Paul Roma. He just uh, walked by us and started talking to us, and shit talking, right? Uh, I would, I mean, well, you know, me and my tinfoil hat, I would love to hang out with Jesse Ventura. So that guy. Yeah, that's all, that's all, that's all you do. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, like you and, you and, 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 uh, and, uh, Jay would fucking yeah. have a field day with him. Yeah. Oh, and Harry too, over on the, on the other side of the pond. So, oh, Harry's a, Harry's a, he's a, he's a gem. But that's another thing that's great about, about what we do. Like, like, we build relationships with, with some with, with with people that you would never think you would. Yeah. Like, you know, and then going to these shows and these conventions, you're like, people are accessible. Like, like I took a picture with Jushin Dundaliga ten years ago, and I'm like, at a at a at a rec center in Jersey. Yeah. You know, I was like, and the Briscoes fought the Rock and Roll Express, and I'm like, what what am I doing here? I just met Jushin Dundaliga, like. In a fucking gymnasium in the middle of New Jersey, in, in the middle of New Jersey. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's it's moments that, like that. It's wrestling, yes, it's wrestling, yeah. and it, why wrestling? Yeah, why wrestling? People, my girl asked me all the time. You know, you, you have to have another wrestling shirt. Yes, you have to wear a sports jersey. Yes, you wear le you wear leopard print. Are you going to the zoo? You know. <laughs> Uh, and she gets mad at me, and then we have a conversation, right? Yeah. But my love for pro wrestling, uh, is is still good. It's we're we're still good. There's always going to be something I love about it. There's always going to be something I hate about it, but it's always there, and it's always fun. And with this, with what we're doing, and what and what and what, and this this crew that we have, and and these these events that we go to now, and and the shows are bigger and there's more eyes on everything and some of it really sucks because the fans make it terrible, but not all the fans are bad, you know. There's good and bad and everything. Yeah. You have to pick spots. You know, you have to you know like I said before, you have to, you know, appreciate the whole thing and, and not feel everything. Think about something first and and then feel it. Like Bruce Lee always said, Don't think, feel but you have to think first though. Yeah. Even though he's telling you not to, you know, you have to take it all in, you know. I read a little from my Bruce Lee book every day, so I am a Bruce Lee Mark, so 
and obviously I know you you've met wrestlers and stuff like that, you know, as an adult, but at least as a kid, do you remember meeting anybody? Um at all? I know your mom was it your mom who did your mom want to kill because they beat up Ricky Jerry? Valentine's. Yeah, Mr. Nice Hair. He really he still has nice hair. That was one thing yeah. I took away from that uh Fight the World show. Is Greg Valentine really has nice hair. He looks like an old lesbian now, doesn't he though? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um when I was a kid when I was a kid, kid, I met Jimmy Snooker. That was cool, in in uh, that boxing arena I was telling you about. Nice. Where where I saw WrestleMania three in a closed caption where they lowered the screen into the ring, the boxing ring. But then, like I said, at fifteen or fourteen, I met Sting and Bruno Sammartino and um. Met Sting. Yeah, I told you he was at the hotel, the Sheraton. That's right. Okay. Yeah, wow, that's cool. He's, he's there was a wrestling magazine called like the main event, and there was a poster I had of him that he signed for me. I still have it somewhere. It's just him wearing those big glasses that are back in style now. Ironically, right? Remember the Macho Man glasses, the yep. big ones. Sad uh, Sting wore them too without his makeup. Yeah, at that that day I met him, Bruno. This team called the Power Twins. They were like these two heavyset dudes. They were, I think, they were in the AWA. Um, but they were like they were, they were like overweight biker looking dudes. I mm. met those dudes, and um, I think that's it. There was other people there. I just didn't meet them, you know. But yeah, Jimmy Snooker was the uh, I think the first wrestler I met. Like 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 shook his hand, and I was like, and I saw Andre that day too. But I was like too scared to go up to him. That's he was. He teamed up with Snooker against the Samoans. I mean, it's tough to say, but I mean, you know, I don't know if anyone will be, will cross more boundaries than Andre the Giant. Obviously, Hulk Hogan was huge. The Rock is the biggest selling movie star in the world. Right. Um, But everyone knew Andre and they just knew he was a wrestler. They may not know much about him. Uh, My wife's mom didn't know anything about wrestling. Ran into Andre in an airport. I mean, she knew who he was, you know, and so not into wrestling. It was totally not her thing. So, I I mean, after watching that documentary and reading that Andre the Giant book, you really kind of get to appreciate how special that guy fucking was. He was so – he was – it was – seeing him up close is is just – it was like seeing your first hardcore show, like your first – like your first band, like you're like – you don't know you're there, but you don't know how to like react at first. You're like you're in awe of it, you know. Um, it's like I'm, I I compare it to going to the circus for the first time. Yeah. You go to a circus, you go to a circus, and you're like, there's so much going on right now, but you don't know how to act. He comes out. He was on that first car too that the house show I went to. Um, and it was like, just, it was amazing to see him live. Oh, I feel all the time too, like for. A three or four year stretch, I saw him all the time. It was like, wow, yeah. it was crazy, you know. Um, you, you know these, and that's another thing. It's like, he, that's a like movie star status, like you know that that that's the kind of guy you're like, oh my, oh my god, you know, it's or like a, a Ric Flair or a Hulk Hogan or you know those guys, you know, it's like that's like rock star status. Like you mentioned, The Rock, Steve Austin, right? Yeah, but that Andre was different because he was like an enigma you know yeah. he was bigger than everybody else you know and he never lost when I when you saw him like, yeah either he's winning a battle royal he's squashing three guys in a row or he's body slamming John Studd 
I saw him beat the shit out of Piper one night. Piper had busted his... Piper took Nux to him and busted his head. And Andre came back out that night and his head was all taped up. Yeah. That's the first time I ever saw him vulnerable. Yeah. And bleeding. Like, and he beat up the whole crew. He beat up fucking Bob Orton and Dr. D. David Schultz. And Ken. <laughs> I saw him manhandle Ken Patera one time. It was like... Wow. Patera had, Patera had no... No way of, of getting out of that, you know? You know? I saw him beat up. I, I, when Orndorff was healed, he, Orndorff tried to beat up on him, and that wasn't going to work very well. But, yeah, Andre was... Uh, I have an Andre mug on my dresses. I showed you, right? The mug, the mug yeah. From 85, 84. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, as as my... I caught, you know, the tail end of Andre. You know, obviously my first exposure was, you know, WrestleMania three. You know, and by then he was not Andre, you know, of, of yesteryear. Um, and then you just, I mean, you just read that book and you just hear what he had to go through um, and everything. Yeah. It's just, man. And like, I mean, the things we take for granted, I mean, I can't imagine that motherfucker having to be in a plane for 14 hours. Going to Japan, taking dumps and like buckets and stuff, right? It's just, it's just utterly ridiculous. And then, uh, Faith and I went and saw the Princess Bride at the movie theater uh, for Valentine's Day and just watching him in there, but knowing what he was going through at the time. Oh my god, yeah. He couldn't even hold uh, that one scene where they had to lower her onto him. He couldn't even hold yeah. her. So yeah. Uh, yeah. shout out shout out to Andre the Giant. So I mean, I mean, he was larger than life in, in more ways than one. And I'm really glad uh, my wife got me that book because I really got a new appreciation for, for him. Yeah. Uh, it's a good book. Yeah, so it's 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 crazy. Um, but I know. I mean, we we've met our fair share of wrestlers and stuff like that, and quote unquote famous people. Um, I have a feeling I might know this answer, but um, how often have you been starstruck? You're like, I can't believe I'm meeting this person right now. Um, me it was the first time was actually the first wrestler I met back was Bret Hart, and I don't get starstruck very often. I was like, oh my god, that's Bret Hart. Like, <laughs> you know. Um, there was a few times, but, uh, there was the first time Mania came back here about, oh, was it eight years ago? Was it? I forget. Was it eight years ago? Was it Mania when I had the MetLife Stadium? Not the second one, the first one. I think it might have been 13, maybe 10 years ago. Maybe, I could be wrong. I said I was maybe 10 years ago, maybe. Yeah. So I went with Matt to pick up, uh, Dan Lopez at the airport because Dan was coming in to hang out with us, right? And we didn't go to the airport to meet wrestlers. We were going in to pick up fucking uh, Lopez who's coming in from Arizona. And Dusty was getting luggage. I met Steamboat, took a picture with Steamboat. It's on my Facebook page. I met Neville, who is now Pac. Yeah. Right? They were all in this room getting their luggage and here comes Dusty. But Dusty was so mad that he didn't have he didn't have his he lost his luggage, and he's screaming and like in the lobby, and I'm like, I'm literally standing five feet from him, and I, I want to just go hug him because that's my guy, you know. Dusty was like my hero, you know. When I discovered NWA, I was like, him and the Road Warriors were like my my everything, you know. Yeah. Uh, I was starstruck then seeing Dusty, but I couldn't go up to him because he was angry. Steamboat was cool too. Um, 
the ECW thing was a little, I was a little starstruck about that because um because they were so approachable. Yeah. Like I would be online because it was general mission, get into the arena in Philly. And like Mick Foley would grab a fucking um uh a milk crate and sit down next online and talk to us, you know? Yeah. Uh the public enemy would, would, would bullshit with the pit bulls would hang out with us saying online, just waiting to get in. Yeah. You know, Benoit, Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, like they were all like Steve Austin, they were all approachable. Like, yeah. just shake your hand. How are you? Thanks for coming. You're like, you know, uh, that was cool. There was a couple of times where I was like, I can't believe I'm, you know, Flair, obviously seeing Flair, seeing Road Warrior Animal at Comic-Con. Yeah, I wasn't there to see him. I almost ran into him. <laughs> like, it's a big dude to run into. Fucking massive, right? Massive. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. You know, uh, Rob always talks about the Pat Patterson thing in the elevator <laughs> in Chicago. I mean, I was starstruck, but I kayfabed it. So I don't look like a jerk off in the elevator, right? Right. Seeing Pat Patterson blew my mind because. Knowing what I know of him now, yeah, my appreciation for him is beyond words, right? But yeah, it's also a few times like that. Those guys, you know, Flair, Dusty, Warrior, Animal, you know, that Stan Hansen story was awesome. So, and then of course I was going to say Hansen. Hansen was the, the 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 I had just was told that my marriage was ending, right? It's a great yeah. story, right? And uh. Rob's like, come out with me, you know, just just hang out, meet my friend Miku, whatever. And Stan Hansen's gonna be there. I'm like, eh, I'm thinking like it's gonna be like a. I didn't think it was gonna be like what it was, right? right. And it was the great. That was my that was my greatest starstruck. Next to the scene, Dusty was was Stan Hansen because Stan Hansen, I I ate dinner with him and his wife. That's awesome. He sat there. I interviewed him. Yeah. Right? You know, I got to ask him about Bruno and why didn't he stay in NWA after he beat Luger for the US title? Like, why? Didn't yeah. know his wife was pregnant. I didn't know that Bruno forgave him. Yeah. On in real life for breaking his neck, right? But Stan Hansen was probably the 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 one that put the icing on the cake. I don't think there's anything else in wrestling that's gonna top that for me. Meeting yeah. him like that. You know? Uh because unless we go to unless I go to Japan, and I, we get to we get to go to Japan and we get to see some of those guys, you know that'd be fucking cool as hell too. Yeah. But Stan Hansen was probably the one next to Dusty and World Warrior Animal, because those the, those guys are like my heroes. You know, those guys were everything to me as a kid. Stan Hansen, I didn't get to see until I got tapes. You know, I didn't get to see him on an AWA. I didn't see yeah. him. I saw him. I saw him beat myself for the title years later on ESPN. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But and then I saw him destroy Japan in a four year run in high school. Yeah. I was like, you know, just can you imagine? You know, just being a kid in high school, just seeing this shit, like, just amazing. You know. Uh, but yeah, Stan Hansen probably was the, the you know next to Dusty, you know, 
Yeah, it's I, I don't know what it is about about wrestlers. I mean, I've been very lucky. Um, I haven't really had any bad interactions with people. Uh, yeah, a few. Um, it just seems that wrestlers are just are, are a different kind of breed. Um, you know, most of my my favorite moments are are quote unquote indie wrestling, but I finally get to meet Malachi Black or Tommy End or whatever the fuck you want to call him. That's been pretty high on my list. Um, you know, I just met Vikingo a couple weeks ago. That was awesome. So I got to hold that AAA belt. So, um, wow, yeah, and I remember the first time we were um because Faith and I are huge Jeff Cobb. I'm a, Jeff Cobb's still my favorite wrestler going today. Absolutely, that's one of the first conversations you and I had actually. Um, and he's probably top five favorite all time. And we saw him at AAW here in Chicago, uh, which was like one of the big super indies back then. But he was an asshole, like in character. In character, yeah, that was me. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm like, shit, is he gonna pull an MGF and like stay in character? But no, he was he was super nice. I was like, okay, good. So I was like, yeah, we walked on. We, we we're we're being those couple. We had our matching Jeff Cobb T-shirts on. And he's sitting there having dinner with Eddie Kingston. And I didn't know who Eddie Kingston was at the time. And he just looked up and he just gave us that nod. So I was like, Jeff Cobb, you're my favorite. Um, I met him a few times. So, yeah, I've been pretty lucky. But, yeah, Malachi Black, he's he's on my very short list. I'm pretty stoked about that. So, Because he's supposed to be at this show that Hornswoggle runs uh, here in uh, Wisconsin. Uh, he's supposed to be here last year. But, I mean, life happens. So, yeah, he's making up for it. But Eddie Kingston's going to be at that show, too. So. I got a hug from Eddie Kingston in 2014. Wow! At a at a PWS show, I was in I was in the in the walkway of the entranceway of them coming out to the ring, and I was and I stood up, I was clapping. He's like, "What's up?" And he grabbed me, and hugged me. I'm like, "Whoa!" So my so my, so my, Mike from the Midnight Jury was like, "You know, it was Eddie Kingston." Right? I'm like, "Of course it was Eddie Kingston, man." Yeah, you know, former Chikara champion. You know. Um... So the first time we met, our good friend Mr. Rod Domingo uh, took a nice hellish chop from Mr. Bad, Bad Luck Fale. Have you or would you take a chop from somebody? Now? Yeah. No. 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 For what? Big luck. Yeah. Yeah. Just for what? For for. I, I'm already. Uh, I already make people miserable sometimes when I like on the podcast. Oh, I make people laugh too. I don't. I don't know. Like, I don't. I don't see the joy in getting hit for real anymore. I'm vulnerable now. Like, I have to turn the heat on. I get cold. I never got cold, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm. I'm telling you, it's it's terrible. I never got cold. Yeah. I never was never. I was never. I was invulnerable to to weather like that. I loved. I loved the winter and the fall. Um. But now, like, I'm. I get cold. Like, I, so now, and I get pains everywhere. Like my knees, my shoulder, like. You imagine if I get shot by him, you know? Yeah, I just, I don't know. I was like, I, I still regret not doing that. Um, I know Rob really? got, you know, because everyone was doing with their shirt on too. I'm like, fuck it, I'll just take my shirt off and do it. But I didn't. I, I still regret it. I don't know why. Um, if you're I doing like, it, for, if you're doing it for the podcast, then you, yeah, like if you're doing it for, I don't know, if you, if you have any other, another agenda, why you want to get shot by uh, a, a near seven foot, three hundred pound man? So you know. Oh, yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah, because I met Takesha a couple weeks ago, and I should have got. Ch- I don't know. I just, I just took a note. I don't know. I, I don't. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm getting. Old, I'm getting old, dude. I, I can't. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to get hit. I mean, I, I've had my, I have my share of, of fist fights, so I'm not worried about that. I just, 
Yeah. You get hit to voluntarily get hit by like somebody like that. It's like it's just. Yeah, shout out to Rob. If that's you know, if that's Rob's uh, that's Rob's bag. If he wants to chop, I'm sure Lane. Well, Lane can't do it because Lane is a bad asthmatic. So yeah, that would like fucking. He might he might go into respiratory arrest. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. We don't. We need, we need a lane along forever. Yeah, I, I told him. Yeah, we have to keep him alive. He's a brain. He's the brains of this whole operation. Yeah, and one of my wife's favorite humans in the whole wide world. So, uh, come on, man. How do you? It's like I wind up meeting my closest friends through failed relationships, <laughs> friendships. Yeah. Like I, they, you know, my old co-host of this podcast. That's how I met Robin Lee. And yeah. they stopped talking, and we still hung out. And then he unfriended me because I was friends with Rob, and I'm like, these people are like the salt. And I don't want to take, you know, I'm taking MGF line, but they're they are the salt of the earth. If yeah. you have people like that in your life, if you have friends like that in your life, you you need nothing else in this world, you know. I would go to the heavens with them. You know what I'm saying? They've done. They've been there for me, and I'll anytime I can be there for them. You know, I. It's just that kind of party. Yeah. You know. Somehow I saw Rob four times last year. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Rob, I don't see. I don't see Rob enough, and I live 28 miles from him. You know. Yeah, it was funny, and it, I just remember because um, when we went down that first time when we were on on the show together, and then uh, him and Elaine came down. We drove down to Philadelphia from New York. Uh, yeah, that. I so it was the four of us in the car. So yeah, Faith definitely love, fell in love with those two. So shout out to, to Robin and Elaine. So thank you for you guys. So no, uh, thank I can't thank them enough. They're my brothers, man. And they get it. Yeah. Like you get it. Like if you get it, when you get older, your circle of friends becomes real small. And like I said on the podcast a bunch of weeks ago, it's not because it failed is because you outgrow people yeah, or, exactly. or they outgrow you. Like, you know, your lifestyle changes, you move away, you get married, you have kids, your job changes, your life just changes. When you get older, your circle of friends is real small. And if you get it, you get it and you hold on to it. And that's this friendship that we, we have so much fun together um, because we get it. Yeah. We appreciate when you, when you, when you genuinely appreciate another human, uh, it goes beyond anything that you can imagine. You know, it's like the the brothers I never had. You know, it's uh, and you need that in your life, man. You need good friends in your life. Yeah, you know, you need good friends in your life. Yeah. So yeah, it, it like I said, that's why wrestling. Yeah, us wrestling, like it's wrestling. It all comes back to wrestling. It's not, and it's not. It's not a gimmick. It's not. It's no bullshit. It's just. It's because of wrestling. Yeah. And we'll always have that, you know. Even if we stop watching wrestling tomorrow, we're still friends. Right. Um, we'll need something else to talk about, but we're still friends. <laughs> um, and uh, actually, I forgot to ask this a little bit earlier. This, this question popped into my head. So back when you started, so obviously you're doing the retro wrestling, but I mean, it's basically just WWF back in 2012. Obviously, there's Impact and Ring of Honor, but. Were you watching? Um, well, you were watching. You were pretty loyal to Ring of Honor for a long time. I Ring of Honor. I, I got. I my son was a child. Was a bit was a preschooler. This kindergarten, and we were watching. Uh, it's like you know, Summer of Punk, and 
I showed I had a, I had a Samoa Joe disc I showed him and I showed him uh some Briscoe stuff and Christopher Daniels and Kenta and, and we used to start watching. I mean, his first show was a Chikara show. It was wow. me, Eddie, me, Shining Wizards Tony, Shining Wizards Eddie. Eddie was before. This is pre Kevin. Eddie's me, Eddie, uh, Tony, Matt, and Hammer. Hammer was four years old, five years old. Chikara. That's the first time we saw the Young Bucks, too. They were in the trios, Cibernetic, the, the trios uh, tournament. Yeah. I need to watch a couple of those. I know they're on IWTV or High Spots or something like that. So uh, those trios tournaments look pretty fun. So feel fun. Yeah. 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 Um, yep. I watched that. I watched the, because the Indies started getting big again in the, you know, the, the 2010s. They started getting like the Indies were picking up. And, these shows, you know, you had Evolve, and you had Pro Wrestling Gorilla, and you had the internet was everything, man. We were getting, we were streaming shows. I was downloading shows, and on Friday nights, when we, when, when Ham wasn't with his dad, and his mom, and my, and his mom would go out and spend Friday nights home, we'd watch, we'd watch wrestling. Yeah, and we, and we had like a whole schedule, you know. And I used to have Tuesdays off, and I'd pick him up from school, and he'd sit in front of the TV, and I would show him everything, you know. And uh, that's how we, yeah. But yeah, I watched. I, I did. I mean, I would just get, and I would just get current stuff. I'd just pick on and uh, the retro shit. I was just pulling VHS and DVDs from my collection. And that was it, you know. And that's how yeah. I started it. It's uh, it, it's been it's been a good ride. So and it's definitely not anywhere near its end, but. Yeah, like on our show, we're uh, just coming up to Supercard uh, 2013 back at Hammerstein. So, yeah. um, where there's a changing of the guard, unfortunately, with the passing of Jay Briscoe, it reminded me of when he won the title. So, I was like, shit, now I know when that's going to happen. But, yeah, he's beat, beat Steen for the title. Yep. Spoiler alert. So, don't listen to her. Yeah, let's get this part. Uh, if you want to know. But, spoiler alert from 10 years ago. But, um, good stuff. Yeah, I mean those those Hammerstein shows. So I mean, I was glad I got to see GCW. I got to see the Briscoes, you know, in Hammerstein. You know, so yeah, we saw a bunch. We saw almost every final battle that was in Hammerstein. So I think we missed one or two. That was it. They need to bring it back over there. So hopefully Tony Khan does the right thing. So no offense to Baltimore, it was really fun in Baltimore, and Baltimore really held Ring of Honor down in some in some shitty periods, namely the pandemic. Yeah. Big yeah. wrestling town too. Big it's got Baltimore's got a lot of wrestling history. Mid Atlantic area is big. Yeah. That's I wish I could get more footage on that. I would do a I'd do a whole series of podcasts on that. You know? Yeah, the whole area is is NWA rich, you know. Yeah. They ran shows at that arena all the time. You know. Even uh they did a couple they did the Great American Bashes a couple they had just have in Baltimore every year. When the tour would finish, that was a big pay per view. Yeah. So. The good old days. So. The good old days, man. Territory. Yep. So maybe someday. So um, I don't know. Enjoy indie wrestling. I enjoy my indie shows. Like I said, I'm pretty stoked. So. Yeah, I got a big one in St. Louis on Saturday. Though. That should be pretty fun. Um, Nick Aldis is going to be there. The National Treasure. I can't believe I'm gonna meet Nick fucking all. I never thought that I would have that opportunity. I was like, wow. Yeah, he's he's. I like Nick Aldis, man. I like the the 
when they brought DWA back, right during around the pandemic, they started doing the TV shows. Uh, uh, when Billy Corgan first bought the company, he is a throwback. Yeah, he's why I love still watching it because he makes it he makes it fun for me. Yeah, he's one of my favorite wrestlers. He's one of my favorite personalities. Like he's uh, he's good in the ring. Don't get me wrong. He's 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 quality. Him and Cody had that great match when I was at All In. Yeah, um, for the title, but he put his stank, his retro stank on it. Like he he made it authentic. He made the ten pounds of gold what it should be. It's the yeah. oldest championship of pro wrestling, and it should be held at a at a higher regard. Yeah, and for a long time it wasn't because of circumstances, obviously. Right. Um, but he brought it back to prosperity. So. To his credit, he's he's a good egg. I have and, a lot of respect for Nick Aldis. And why Billy didn't just back up the Brinks truck and make sure he didn't leave, I don't know. Um, There's more to it because he's Billy Corgan has publicly mentioned his disdain for Nick Aldis in so many words. There's, there had to be some kind of falling out. That's weird. Be, I, I think it was a booking thing too with them, like you know. So you, you'll never hear the whole story until somebody writes a book. So. We'll never know, and uh, you know why? Yeah, and why that guy's not on my TV every on my cable TV every week? I don't know. There's still hope, you know. Yeah, still hope. and honestly, you know, I can't believe what I'm saying, but he'd probably be better suited in WWF than he would be in W or AEW. But we'll I like see. I like seeing him in Ring of Honor. Yeah, I think I th- I think he would put some put his his. His stank on that man, him Claudio. You know that 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 level of guy, like you know, it's you can showcase these guys now if you give them the platform, they'll do it. And Ring of Honor for me was that whole honor thing that I got. I I grasped all of it in two thousand six. I saw the first my first show was a final battle. It was two thousand six. I think it was uh, Morishima. I forget the card. I know Danielson. Danielson was on it. I think he fought a homicide. I think I forget, but I was at that show. That was my first Ring of Honor show. Was a final battle. Nice. Two thousand six or seven. Two thousand six. Seven. Two thousand six. Yeah. And I and I liked I liked it. I liked the whole. I liked the whole aspect of it. Yeah. And I think, like I said, it's just in the beginning of the show. If Tony can keep guys who aren't on TV on their TV. And keep the integrity of what Ring of Honor is. Yeah, you can't lose, dude. Tony Deppin versus Samoa Joe has got me very intrigued. I don't know if that match went down already, but how they're booking that, I loved it. It happened last week, but you need to watch it. Um, is Claud- are Claudio and Eddie wrestling in Supercard? That's what it's going to. Yeah. Okay. I hope Eddie wins. I think it's time. Me too. Me too. And I'm so New York ignorant. Any anybody who's any performer I love, whatever genre, if they're from New York, I'm so New York ignorant. Like I root for those guys constantly, you know. And um, he reminds me of like half the kids I grew up with. Yeah, just out of, out of their mind, devoted to the craft or whatever they're doing. Just that attitude, that New York, I don't give a shit type of thing, and I and 
part of me relates to that. <laughs> yeah. That's why I love Taz so much. Like that that New York I'm so New York ignorant. Like rappers talk about being New York ignorant all the time. And I'm like, I'm when it comes to wrestlers and being from New York, I'm New York ignorant. Like all the time. Like I'm not. It's it's disgusting, yeah. you know. And I'm not even ashamed of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean but, Yeah, and listen, I remember when I first started seeing it was AAW and he was um I know I'm gonna get canceled for saying this, but he's a lackey of David Starr. Um, when they were doing their wrestling gimmick thing and everything, and he did, he was just you know, you could just tell he was a star. He wasn't even wrestling. You could just tell he's he just got it. Yeah, uh, yeah. And one of my favorite matches was like, yeah, it was him and David Starr versus Jake something and Kurt Stallion in a um anything goes street fight thing. Um, I was at one of the favorite ones I ever saw live. So, but speaking of Ring of Honor, um, and Tom and Phil, everyone should go back and check out. Uh, the review that you and I did of the first ever, the era of honor begins. That was uh, fun, man. That was a good review. So that was a that was a really fun show, man. It's, it's just uh, yeah. like I like I said earlier, listen. If I had found Ring of Honor in like two thousand three, two thousand four, two thousand five, I don't think I ever would have left wrestling. I mean, that was when I first met Choppy. That was Choppy was going to those shows, and uh, he was actually in the same college as Jay Lethal. Oh wow! Really? Going to the same school? Yeah, yeah. And Choppy said, "You know, I he, he Choppy said Jersey, Jersey. He's he's a Jersey guy." Yeah. Um, and uh, that's where all the gypsies are from the Northeast. They're from Jersey. Right. So uh, he uh, he got me like he hooked me like I was already in. Yeah. But him, he hooked me like, yo, remember this? And I'm like, oh my god. I didn't get into it till 06, but I had to go back and watch those four years prior. And now I got on a club back. I got, I never, I never, I, I signed up for it. From Hammer and I, and I was like, I'm glad I got it when Tony Khan brought it back because uh, now I can go back and watch some of this stuff and, and the stuff that I missed because I wasn't, like I said, I didn't get, I didn't get into it till like 06. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. When I got back into wrestling, one of the things I went back and watched all the final battles. I've seen all of them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good stuff, man. Yeah, Ring of Honor is definitely the thing that got me back into wrestling. So um, I don't like the new Honor Club, but that's another story. I've ranted about this before, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's not the same thing. It's just, um, it just I got it for the library though. I, I I'm starting right. to watch old stuff, and I'm like, and the new episodes. I'm telling you, man, like it's, it's like I said, it's two hours, no commercials, and it's just it's it's almost like the old shit. Like it's wrestling, it's like it's. No frills, no bullshit. You know, it's like it's fun. Yeah, um, and Mark Briscoe, Mark Briscoe's on my TV. If I get to see that, so I love Mark Briscoe. Yeah. I say it every week. I've been saying it for years. But Mark Briscoe is a goddamn national treasure. Him I'm glad that light. And then Joe, Super Cloud of Honor. Yeah, um, and people forget. I mean, obviously, you look at Mark Briscoe, and he's a goofball. He's misses teeth and everything. But um, obviously, him and Jay were—I mean—they were super fucking athletes. Um, Mark can fucking go. That's the bottom line. So well, now you're gonna see how good he can go because he's a single. You know, he was—he had that label of his tag team wrestler. And even when Jay got hurt for a while back, a couple of years ago, he was wrestling. He had TV title shots. You know, yeah. he, he was—he was in the mix. You know, um, you're gonna see that now. You're gonna—he's gonna have to work for it. He doesn't have his brother anymore, sadly. Um, I got the shirt by the way. I bought the tribute shirt. Yeah, me too. Hammer and I got one for the the, the one that goes to charity to his family. And um, but now we're gonna see him shine 
like as he should, you know. Yeah. And I'm glad, you know, plot I mean it, it happened tragically, but again, this is something that you won't see on AEW. So Tony makes this happen on this. Thank you for the platform, you know. Yeah. Let's see where it goes. Let's see, uh, you know, now and, and you now you have show material now. Now you'll have something to, you know, to fall on, not fall on to uh to look forward to. Yeah. Because I, I think the Forbidden Door just got reopened for June in Toronto, and uh, I'm probably gonna talk about this on the next spot on the next throwbacks, but. Uh, that 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 whole forbidden door concept, it's every it's gonna be everybody now. Yeah. And and even WWE sees the potential letting their guys work Japan and you know it's mark my words, it's gonna be good for everybody. Yeah. They work. New Japan's had a pay per view coming up with uh with with uh, Impact. Like it's it it's fun, man. That stuff is fun. Um, so I tied races all ships, you know. What's that? I tied races all ships, you know. So that's a just the move. Just so. saying, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, but like, I think you, you you're gonna have a lot of good show material. I think I feel like um, they, it's it's gonna be okay because they're gonna have an influx of guys coming in and out that won't be on AEW television. Yeah, which is fun. Good. Yeah, it sounds like Brian Cage might be gone though, so that's interesting. I can't imagine that he's not on NXT by the end of the year. Well, they'll drop the six man titles, but Prince Nana's been there forever. I'm glad he's still around, you know. Yeah. The you embassy. Know, and I'm glad and I'm glad that Christopher Daniels is still around and Can you fucking see Kazar- Yeah, I'm sure you'll see Kazarian come back eventually because he's an impact now, but you might see Scorpio Sky fly back in there again. The yeah. Bucks might make another run in there. You don't. You never know. Like it's. It's. I like that concept, though. I like the idea of being surprised. Yeah. I don't want to have to listen. I, you, like everybody's like, "Oh, Phil, you know your shit." Yeah, but I don't want to know my shit sometimes. Mm-hmm. Surprise me. Surprise me, and this is what Tony Khan should be doing. And I and he's got the clout. He's got a platform, and he definitely has a talent. Yeah, he's got more talent than anybody has right now, and doesn't know what to do with half of them because they can't be on TV for all. You know, you only have two hours. He only has three hours a week of television if you don't count the YouTube stuff. You know, so it's like it's. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a good time to be a fan. It's a, exactly. I've been saying this for months. I've been saying it to you guys. It's a good time to be a fan. Take it in, enjoy it, embrace yeah. it. Don't so. be a sourpuss. Yeah, and I'm I'm a complete hypocrite because I barely I don't really watch much anything current. I haven't watched AEW, but I'm not I'm not gonna shit on it. It's not my thing. So hopefully this Ring of Honor thing kind of brings me back a little bit. So I hope it does. I hope you see it for what it is, and you can't really compare it to the past because it's it's the same, but it's not. It's 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 it sounds like an oxymoron, but it's the same, but it's different. Right. It's got the same feel. It doesn't have the same atmosphere. But it's got that back lot, you know, like yeah. Florida fucking impact or WCW feel to it. And I like that. You know, I like to just see the same people in the fucking crowd every week. And hopefully they fucking tour. That'd be good. They should. And well, they're already doing house shows at AEW now. So, I mean. Are they really? 
Yeah, they just started doing it. That's why they brought Jared. And he's gonna be, he's gonna be like the, he's gonna be like the, he's gonna run that aspect of it. Nice. He's gonna run the house shows for AEW. I've really come around. I've listened to a couple episodes of his podcast. I've really come around. So I used to hate Jeff Jarrett. Couldn't stand a fucking. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Jarrett. I I respect I respect his up his ups his up and comings. I respect how he did it, and I respect uh, the contribution that his dad in that region did for Memphis and yeah, you know, with the the merge world class and and Jerry Jarrett was always a fan friendly promoter, and I think Jeff Jarrett understands the business part of it, and that's why he's the longevity. That's why he's still doing it. That's yeah. why he still performs, you know, because he's relatable, and he and he's. It's amazing how he's a, he's still relevant. Like I don't want to see him in the ring anymore, but I, but he's still relevant, and he's there's a reason the whole thing with Jay Lethal it, that makes it all make sense. Him, Sanjay, we were all in cahoots and impact. Yeah, so they have history that I like because you have a, you have history. You're bringing a story. You're bringing a story, a 10, 12 year, twenty year story into something else. Yeah. Now a new audience, a new core of, of fans will now see these guys that they didn't see an impact 20 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever it was, right? Yeah, so, yeah maybe people start going back. And, I mean, Impact had a lot of shit, but Impact had a lot of great stuff too. Impact's fantastic. Because it, it's, it's got glimpses of really, really great stuff. And yeah. a lot of it was terrible. But, again... A lot of guys, AJ and Joe and, you know, those guys, I just, a lot of guys, man, that I came mean, out of there. I mean, AJ was there for, what, 10 plus years? That was a real big run. So was it for that run? He would never have the Japan run, and he'd never have a WWE run. Yeah. That X Division was, was everything, you know. It made them revamp the Cruiserweights. It made them revamp. Anything that was uh wasn't a heavyweight title, you know. Right. Every other every every other Fed had to top those guys, you know. Yeah. They were good. They were on their game. You know, that was fun stuff. And I I don't know if it'll come back to that, but NXT is the reason why they did NXT was because of all that. Yeah. Of them evolve. For us in Gorilla Ring of Honor, NXT is the is the base of that. Of how they're gonna, you know, how they're creating guys and girls. I miss, I miss, and well, NXT was another thing that got me into the or into wrestling too. So a very good time, you know, the beginning, you know, end of 2016, 2017, at Black and Gold rank. God damn, whoever's listening, please, I'm telling you, just stop feeling all of it and think before you see something, and take it all in. Because you're going to see some of these guys and girls in different spots, and you're going to remember that they were there, and you're like, oh, wow, remember when he did this in black and gold? Remember when he did this in Japan or did this? And you're like, it all makes it. A lot of it's going to make sense to you because the evolution of a character will never it'll, – it'll be something that either it will be very, very good or very, very bad, depending on how they're booked. Yeah. Talent will always be there. How you're booked is different, you know? So – yeah, and that's how it goes. Well, Phil, um, before we thank you so much, by the way, not only for doing this, finally, sorry it took so goddamn long. Uh, that's on me, but uh, I mean, thanks for all you do, all the content and all the friendship and everything. Uh, but before we pull the train into that proverbial station here, 
Um, do you have anything else you want to put over before we, uh, no, I was, yeah, obviously put out sure both the throwbacks. I'll put the links in the show notes and everything, but yeah, no, I mean, obviously the, I appreciate that. Um, anytime, you, anytime I can do this for you is, uh, anytime. Um, uh, I'm very proud of what you're doing. I think that, uh, I feel like you've taken what we've done and put your own stank on it without compromising how you look at it. And it's not, it's, it's, it's authentic. And I like, and I, and I, and I'm, and I'm really happy for you guys and really glad you're doing it the way you want to do it. Um, I don't, the other thing put over is just, I don't know, be better yet, be better tomorrow than you were today. You know, just be a better person, be a good human. Don't be a jerk off, be kind to animals, you know, uh, watch a lot. Watch a lot of wrestling, and watch and 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 respect the history, respect the lineage. Yeah. Respect respect what came before you, and if you can do that, even without listening to turnbuckle throwbacks, I'm not keep plugging it. Even without that, uh, go back to YouTube and and get DVDs, tapes, clips, whatever, and watch what came before you, and you'll see why. Things are the way they are today. It'll make sense to you. Uh, things had to happen for stuff to happen now, which makes this sport so great. Right. And um, what makes it fun is is the fans. So that's really all I have to put over. Um, I don't really, you know, you you know my you know what I like, you know what I don't like, and um, you know. It's it's still it's 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 my mistress. So yeah, I I personally I need to dig into some more AWA personally. Yes, uh, you know that's obviously my area. I know of AWA, but um, you know, and I know some old timers. You know, here, um, I'm hopefully getting uh, Tony Danucci, the last I think the last last AWA light heavyweight champion. I think he was or TV champion. Yeah. I need to get like I need I need episodic footage of I want to do a certain feuds and certain time lengths of AWA. Yeah. But I, I need the, the footage. I need to get like I don't want to get like just one episode. I want to get like a week. I want to get a couple of months and yeah. do a whole entire series of AWA. I, I I love that era. You know, Bachwinkle, Zabisco, you know, all those guys. You know, I, I love all that stuff. Yeah, that brawl in St. Paul is in the December of '86 is pretty much the pinnacle. So yeah, it'd be, it'd be cool if they could dig up like I mean, all, all the shit leading up to that. So that's a good idea. Yeah, if you know, if you want to collab, just give me a heads up and we'll uh, we'll cross promote it and we'll you know we'll do some episodes on AWA. I'm really I really like I want to do I want to find a chunk of it. Yeah, and pick certain spots out and do a bunch of shows on it. Um, so if that's something you want to do with me, actually, that, that, that'd be pretty cool too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I want to do, I want to do some Mid-South stuff. I want to do some uh, Memphis. I want to do, you know, the AWA stuff I can do. I have all that. NWA, I mean, but. Yeah. It's, me. uh, I mean, and obviously I'm biased, but I mean, wrestling, we've got a very rich history here of wrestling and people, you know, outside the Midwest sometimes don't realize that. So, yeah. um, Oh, yeah, God. I mean that's it definitely back to the 50s. Let's go back to the forties and fifties, the fifties and sixties with the crippler and uh, you know the you know the 
all those guys, you know. Yeah, and I, I've been pretty lucky to make some connections with some of some of the old timers and some of those bridge people like Silas Young. Silas Young's like a bridge, good bridge person, you know, to the era, to the old. I mean, he's obviously an old he's school throwback, though. That guy's, you know. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I mean, he started towards the tail ends of things like the AWA and stuff like that. So, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah so that's a good idea. We should dig into yeah, that. We should definitely dig into that and do some AWA stuff. The the, the fans would. Our fans would definitely appreciate that. You coming from that area would authenticate all of that, by the way. And it would put some it would authenticate what what what, what we're doing, A. And B, it'll give the fans uh another perspective of someone who's from the area. Yeah. Because you know, there's a it is a huge history there. We yeah. the bruiser and, and all those guys, you know. Crusher. The Crusher, Dick the Bruiser, Ganya, Matt the Vashans, like forget it, bro. The Road Warriors got this thought there. Yeah. Kurt Henning. Kurt Henning, Scott Hall. Yes, he was gonna say the, the, the Rockers, the Nasty Boys, the Destruction Crew, you know better as the the Beverly Brothers. Um Minnesota Wrecking Crew, the Arn Andersons. John Tatum, Jack Victory. Those all those cool tag teams, man. Zabisco, like I said, Bachwinkle Bach was a fucking a a mastermind in the ring. Yeah, Bobby Heenan was an amazing manager there. The Bobby Heenan family started in the AWA with Blackjack Mulligan, and yeah. and you know, so I mean, there's a lot of history. Andre Andre got a lot of his kick, uh, his start there. Oakland, Jesse Ventura. New York's own Adrian Adonis. Yeah. Rest in peace, you know. Bischoff started there. Bischoff was a coffee uh, coffee bitch. Yeah. You know, but yeah, yeah. let's um, let's do some uh, behind the scenes and collab and do some AWA stuff. Shit, yeah. That'd be some fun shit, man. Yeah. I want to redo the Super Class shows, too. I did some of them on Terminal Throwbacks, but they were... I want to re- I want to redo them again. Yeah. So the Comis- the Comiskey Park one was amazing, you know, the free birds were on that I think, you know. But- Comiskey Park. I was only at the old Comiskey once, but I was there when the Brewers won their thirteenth game in a row, nineteen eighty seven. A record that still stands. Thirteen and zero. Was Dave Parker on the team at that point? Well, he no. came like eighty nine, right? Eighty nine, yeah. I think. Yeah. So was- that was after that's after the Oakland run. He came in. Yeah. So yeah. that was uh yeah one of my my dad was drunk at ten o'clock in the morning talking about the Brewers going one hundred and sixty two and zero and stuff like that on Good Morning America. So you're so lucky, man. The Brewers, I, I would that whole uh it's a great baseball town. Yeah, I'll make it out there to a game one day. Um, you like you read a lot of books, right? You're a book guy. Yeah, I I yeah, I mean I I'm in spurts. Like I have to I have to be like you know, I got to be into something to read it. Like. There's a couple good uh, – Bill Veck, the old owner of the White Sox, the guy that did, like, the demolition. A couple great books if you haven't read. That dude's very fascinating. Yeah. Um, it's a wow. book that's coming out in April about broadcasters. Um, What's the guy's name? I'll tell you right now. Hold on. He was on um a baseball podcast I listened to, and I he messaged me because I I got – I liked him on, on Twitter. He's like, oh, you know, you have, thank you for liking my – Kirk McKnight. And he's writing a book on. It's called 
the voices of baseball comes out in April. It, and the book is the book looks fantastic. Oh, there he is. Oh man, he's got the uke. I don't do bobbleheads very often. This one talks too. Stop! Oh my god, that's crazy. That's that's fucking awesome, man. Yeah, I listen I, to him. Every, I listen to him. He only does home games now, but I listen to him every year, man. I've had satellite radio. I have. I've had satellite radio for almost twenty years since two thousand three. It is yeah. twenty years, by the way. Yeah. I've had I've had serious for twenty years now, and I listen to him every year, yeah. every year faithfully. Um, I, I'm very fortunate growing. I mean, Bob Buecher is pretty much why I got into baseball. Um, you are very lucky. Yeah, we, we had Mel Allen, we had Vince Scully before we went to California. I had Bob Murphy, uh, Gary Cohen. I had a lot of cool guys in New York, but Euchre is a fucking gem. Like he's a natural treasure, that guy. Yeah, and uh, my uh, my aunt used to live down the road from him, so she yeah she knew him pretty well uh, for a while. She, she he flew uh, my aunt and my uncle out when he's doing uh, Mr. Belvedere and got him free tickets when he was doing the Mr. Belvedere thing and everything. So, yeah, I got I got to meet him. Uh, um, he buys pizza. Like I said, uh, my job with the Brewers, I mean, I'm on like I say, like if there's a totem pole, I'm under the totem pole. Uh, but he'll uh, he buys pizza. Uh, but a couple times a month uh, for everybody, and I don't usually work in a day, but yeah, I got to pizza with one time just sitting there shooting the shit with them, so yeah. Pizza with Bob Yuka, bro. I mean, I yeah. had dinner with Stan Hansen, but you had pizza with Bob Yuka. Like, that's right up there, man. That's, that's... Yeah. Um, that's, you can, you know, he, talk he, about how great I had it. He does what he wants. Like, he he brings a Suburban, parks right in this, like, in the, in the, um, Garageway right in there. It's just like I'm Bob Buecher. He's 114 years old. He do whatever he wants, man. Yeah, I'm, that's a I pissed love... off about when the Brewers didn't win in 2021 when they shit the bed because you yeah, just, and they need he needs a ring. Yeah, they. I don't know what they're doing over there. I don't I have no idea. But they got they got. I mean, they kept some guys. They kept they kept a couple guys. They kept Yelich. They kept a couple guys. But it's like, you know. They had good pitching. They let it go. I don't know. That, that yeah. whole division. That whole division shot though. It's just the Cardinals right now, and the Cubs are gonna get better again. Fuck so, I, yeah, I know. I know. I know. But you know. Yeah, I am. I am a very jaded Brewers fan right now. But they still give me money to pay for these trips I go on. So listen, you are so lucky to be there. That's a great. That's a great. That's a great town. That's a great fucking. That's a great baseball town. Yeah, you know. and this summer I really need to get to more like minor league and like semi pro games and it's the best man. Next uh, time you come to New York, if you're in the, if it's in like between April and September, we got a new baseball team out here on Staten Island, the Ferry please. Hawks. Yeah, so we got that comes and then we got the Brooklyn Cyclones too, with the Mets affiliate in Coney Island, right on the boardwalk. Yeah, I got my buddy Mike. Um, yeah, he's a semi-pro. Uh, I actually had him on the podcast, but uh, he's a semi-pro uh, player. Um, yeah, I played in the Netherlands for a season. Loved it over there. So um, I don't know why the Brewers haven't hired him on as something, but that's where I met him. But that's not our story itself. But yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm a jaded Brewers fan. But I mean, I got Euchre, and it's one. I've got my Ben Sheets, and I got my Bob Euchre bobbleheads. Ben Sheets, stud. Greg Vaughn was my guy too. I liked a lot of Brewers, man. Yount, a lot of guys I liked growing up. You know, Dave Parker, obviously. What's uh oh? She thought I said Ben Shits. 
something like that. Oh so. no, no. <laughs> she thought okay, she still had a bed sheets. Okay. Bed Bye. sheets. That's another podcast. Bed sheets with dominies? Oh bed sheets? What? Yeah, blue theme that that is something, so that's why I mean, they are blue. You know, that is, you know, reason six thousand seven hundred why I married uh, you know, I all kicked my coverage to my wife, so listen hilarious. So you, you always need a better half. That's your better half, man. Remember that. Yeah, for sure. So well, Phil, thank you so much, my friend. Um, yeah, this is definitely not the last. I think we got we planted some seeds here, so I like where we're yeah. at. Yeah, thank you, my dude. I appreciate it. So. Love you, brother. Thank you That's so it. much for having me. Um, yeah, and good luck with everything, man. Like I keep listening. You guys keep doing your thing, and uh, yeah, definitely have me back, and we'll work on our stuff, other stuff. Cause I think we're gonna do some stuff together. Yeah. Now that you're a, now that you're a competent podcaster, I didn't go that far, but I I hit record and. Say some words. So that's it, man. That's all. That's all you could do. Don't. Don't. It's. It's. It's really simple. Just you know. Just don't make it complicated. Then you start getting. Yeah. Start second guessing yourself. Yeah, people and, like, and, are you gonna edit that out? I'm like, I've I've edited one thing out of a podcast in the year. I mean, in 170 I've done, and that was because I was doing a promoter and he forgot to name one of the teams. He's like, can you edit that out, please? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, sure, okay, yeah. So this is why we can't have nice things, man. You know what I'm exactly. All right, Phil, my friend. Well, I will talk to you soon, my friend. Yes, sir. Be safe. Take care.